Well, welcome to the Tales from the Bay podcast. Larry Kruger joined by Ryan Smith as we talk a little 49er football for all of our 49er fans abroad. You know, why don't we start right with the 49ers, a little autopsy on the first three games of the season. The the 49ers are one and two through three games. Rye, what's your, what's your takeaway on the uh, start to the year? Uh, you know, my sort of grieving process every week is, uh, you know, I, especially after losses, I get really down and really critical of the team. Then about this time, Thursday, Friday, I start to be like, okay, I'm going to take away the positives. And right now I'm actually feeling positive. I know they're one and two, and I know that this is probably one of their easiest stretches of the schedule, but man, their defense is so dang good. I I cannot get over how good they were in that Broncos game. I mean, they were playing a double header in the, you know, after the first quarter, they were on the field the entire game. And I mean, they allowed one touchdown drive, one. So I, I'm feeling good. I think that the Niners, I think the NFC, they're lucky. The NFC is kind of weak right now. I'm, I'm pretty confident they're still going to make the playoffs. But, man, it's not going to be a good look if they go down one and three and back-to-back losses on uh, national television. That's That's a rough look. Yeah, no question. I would say it's as simple as, you know, they have a 20-point win at home, and they have two losses on the road. And what happened in those two losses on the road? Well, the first game, they just had way too many penalties, and they lost their focus, um, and they let the Bears extend some drives. So just too many penalties in that first game, and then the the rains came. They tried to come from behind, and you got a young quarterback and a ridiculously sloppy field. So, But if there was one thing I would point to in that first game against Chicago, penalties. In this last game, I mean, I agree with George Kittle who said afterwards the whole game uh, came down to the 49ers had three turnovers, they had a safety, and they were one for ten on third down against Denver. So uh, turnovers against Denver, penalties against the Bears, and, you know, you you just don't win in the NFL. When you're minus three in turnovers, commit a safety, and are one for ten on third down, you don't win. You just don't win. It's too much to overcome. So um, still, despite the fact that they played really bad offensively um, and had no real rhythm to speak of, they were still right there with a chance to win both the week one game against Chicago and the week three game against Denver. So here they are, week four, Rams rolling in, divisional opponent, uh, 49ers have won six consecutive regular season games against the Rams. So definitely Shanahan has had McVay's number. But that would be my autopsy on the first three games. Um, the, uh, the defense is looking incredible, and the offense not so much, right? The, the defense is third in the league in points allowed, uh, second in the league in total defense. That's yards allowed per game. Number one pass defense in the entire league is the 49ers. With no Jimmy Ward. With no Jimmy Ward, no Jason Verrett. Um, So they've done that on defense. On offense, the 49ers are 28th in points and 23rd in total offense, which is yards per game. So I just think that with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, with a weapon, you know, weaponry that includes Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, um, that it's bound to turn around. It's bound to turn around. But penalties and turnovers will get you beat every time. So it's time for them to clean it up. So, but that being said, let's let's talk a little bit about the offense. What is wrong, in your opinion, 
with the 49er offense. I just gave you the numbers. 28th in the NFL in points per game, 23rd in the NFL in total offense as far as yards per game allowed. Um, uh, yards per game, I mean, yards per game, period, not allowed. Um, so offensively, they're 28th in points, 23rd in yards. What's the issue? I mean, for me, I think the issue boils down to a lack of explosiveness in the offense. And it's crazy to say with all those weapons, but, you know, you go back to 2019 and yes, they still had Jimmy G and, you know, Jimmy G was throwing the deep ball, but that, that, you know, not that play action boots been kind of taken out of the, the Shanahan offense. He can't really do it anymore. So there's no more wide open Emmanuel Sanders down the field. The other aspect they had was Raheem Mostert. Rita, they had these guys that were just freaking so fast and they could make explosive plays in the run game. They could break, you know, 65 yarders in the run game this year. I mean, Jeff Wilson, who we caught up with and and we're going to play the interview at the end of this podcast, you know, he's a hell of a player and he's a guy you'd want, you know, to go to battle with, but he's not the most explosive back and it's kind of you know it's tough like almost the entire workload was put on him so if you go back to that Denver game he had the one for like 40 yards and then he had one for 18 yards and after that him and Debo Samuel Debo Samuel combined 15 runs for 29 yards that's not going to cut it that will not cut it um and you know Jimmy is Jimmy and Jimmy had a bad game and and this is what we're gonna he's probably gonna have a good game versus the Rams and it's gonna be annoying but the main thing is they got to get back to their identity they have to start bludgeoning people in the run game. It has to be consistent. I'd rather see, you know, consistent, you know, seven yards here, seven yards here, seven yards here, as opposed to, you know, one 18 yarder, one 40 yarder, and then everything else was for two or one or no gain. So, yeah, I mean, you know, if you look at the, if you take away Jeff Wilson's two big runs, he had a 37 yard run, he had an 18 yard run. Then he and Debo carried a combined 15 times for 29 yards. So Jeff Wilson Jr. picked up 55 of the 49ers, 88 yards on two carries. Um, they're struggling to run the ball. Now, Elijah Mitchell's out for the year. They don't have a dynamic runner. Uh, as Is you he mentioned, out for the year? I mean, not for the year. He's out for – he's on the IR, I should say. <laughs> yeah. He's not – he's out right now. Um, and And right now they're leaning on – some, you know, they're leaning on bigger backs that don't have as much home run capability. We may see more Jordan Mason, um, but that's that's really it. The 49er run game has not been there. The quarterback play has been awful. Um, I mean, just go back to this last game. I mean, just, I mean, four sacks, three turnovers, and a safety. Uh, Jimmy G really struggling on third down, especially. Um, you know, that's, I mean, the 49ers went one for 10 on third downs. Jimmy G. Uh, is was three of seven for 18 yards passing on third down. And Jimmy is completing only 53% on third down for the season. So he's struggling on third down. Is it the lack of reps that he had this summer? Possibly. Um, that could be it. Is it the lack of reps he has establishing rapport with his receivers? That could be it. Um, it, you know, it's a number of different things. I think when you look at this offense, turnovers and penalties, quarterback play. Some people have questioned Kyle Shanahan's play calling. 
I just think that you kind of hit on it. They're not as dynamic in the run game um, as they've been in past years, and they're not getting a lot of big plays in the run game. So that, that to me, is a big part of it. They missed Kittle early. He's a key cog, obviously. Uh, not having him in the run game or pass game you know, hurt the first couple weeks of the year. Um, and, and we've just seen, you know, it seemed like Trey Lance had a real good rapport with Ayuk. Um, and we've seen Debo, like Debo in the backfield a year ago, really surprised teams and kind of caught them off guard. Uh, doesn't seem to be doing the same thing this year. So I think they're searching for, you know, for some, they're definitely searching for a more dynamic element in their backfield, but they're also searching for, um, you know, a little bit of consistency just throughout their offense. 49ers, by the way, for those of you who want to who keep track of this stuff, the Niners and the Rams are the opposite teams. The Niners are 55-45 run pass. The Rams are the opposite. The Rams are 46% run, 54% pass. So the Niners have run it more than they passed it. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe they need to to start throwing it around a little bit more and, you know, maybe that will open up the run game if they can get their their passing game going. But, yeah, it's a, it's a weird situation because when you think of the weapons that they have and Kyle Shanahan calling the plays, and it's early in the year. It's not like weather. I mean, the Ram game or the Bears game, there was a lot of rain, but typically we're in the part of the schedule where weather is not really a factor. And yet the 49er offense is is really struggling to, uh, you know, to even just stay on the field and extend drives. The Rams had, the Niners defense held the Rams to nine three and outs. The 49ers only had one three and out against Denver, but they just have not been able to put up points. They're yeah. really struggling in the red zone. They'd get like a, it seemed like they'd get, you know, one play for like 15, 17 yards, but they were, start, their field position was so awful. Like they were starting every drive it seemed like on like the 10 even on kickoff you know it started right off the bat with uh, Ray Ray McLeod kind of yeah I don't know if it was a great decision I mean I'm not really sure it was a tough play but you know he ended up at like the 14 to start a drive and yeah I mean going back to what you're saying about the third down it's like we all know who Jimmy is you know we all know who Jimmy is Jimmy is not a guy who you're gonna feel comfortable with just putting him in all of these passing down situations where the defense can just key on him you got. I, I actually kind of like the idea of him passing a little bit more early in the downs. I I, I heard some statistic. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't have it in front of me, but I I think he was something actually pretty good passing in that game on first down. Just because you know they, I mean, they're not expecting it. I mean, the Niners are a run heavy team, so yeah. I I'm, I'm interested to see what Kyle kind of dials up and if. Jimmy maybe has a little bit more freedom. I, I, I'm i not sure. But in talking to Jeff Wilson, he's like, man, our identity is the run game, and we're just going to keep going back to it. And I think that's part of the devastating thing with Shanahan's offense is like, man, even when they're struggling, they're always going to go back to the run game, and it's just so frustrating for other teams. Like, once they get it going, it's just like you know it's coming, and you can't stop it. So. Well, we'll see if they can get it going. I mean, uh, Debo, by the way, has 111 yards on 17 carries. And if you look at that, you say, man, that's not bad. Six and a half yards a carry. But if you take a deeper look, you know, from the stat sheet, it shows 51 of those yards came on one carry against the Seahawks. If you take that carry away, Debo's got 16 runs for 60 yards, which is, you know, under four a carry. That's three, seven, five, uh, a, a per attempt. So I'd like to see them try to get Debo going. You know, he, to me, he's unstoppable 
when he can get two or three strides before he's got to kind of slow it down with defenders around. If they could get him in more of a full stride look, not like a pick and slide guy where he's trying to kind of tiptoe through the hole where he's like, you know, full on, you know, sprint, whether it be a jet sweep, something where he can get two or three full strides. I think that he's a guy who's relatively easy to bring down if he's picking and sliding and and doing kind of a tiptoe through the lane or through the line of scrimmage. But if he's... If he's a guy that can get a full head of steam going, you know, I think he's a guy who's exponentially more difficult to bring down. So I'd like to see Debo on some runs more to the perimeter and see if they can get him in full stride so that he can kind of deliver some punishment uh, to the defense like he's kind of known to do. Uh, But the other side of the thing is that the 49ers right now look like they have historically great defense. How good... Do you think this Niner defense is? I mean, I think it's the best defense in the league. I mean, this is how good I think it is. I'm going to be starting them in fantasy football against the Rams, the high-flying Rams. I, I, I think this defense, I'm expecting some turnovers this week. They didn't get any last week. They came close on a couple of Melvin Gordon fumbles, but I'm expecting some turnovers. Um, I'm expecting them to, I mean, you know, the, another big story we haven't hit on is Trent Williams is out, but guess what? The Rams offensive line is reeling right now as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of heat on the quarterback on both sides in this game. And I think that this 49ers defense really has a chance to be historically great. Like I'm talking the best 49ers defense, you know, in 25 years or so. I just think the Fort Niners on all three levels. Now, they don't have Aziz Ashair. He's got the MCL sprain, so he's out for a while, probably at least a month, maybe six weeks, maybe eight weeks. Um, but, man, their defensive, Fort Niners defensive line is very deep, and they added Mooney Ward and Womack on the back end. They had, they were going to get Jimmy Ward back and Jason Verrett back. That's going to even make their secondary better. But I just think when now that they have Mooney Ward and Mosley playing at a high level, it just gives D'Amico so many more things he can do. Uh, the one thing that was interesting in watching the Denver game is Denver stayed with the run. Yeah. You know, they really did. They weren't getting a ton done. I think there was like three yards of carry. But 33 runs for Denver for 101 yards. And that, to me, was interesting, that, that teams, uh, if the 49ers struggle struggles continue offensively and they can't turn these games into one-sided games and they allow these teams to hang around, they're going to have to defend the run for all four quarters. Um, and you may see teams try to stay with the run game like the Broncos did through all four quarters of the of the game. Now this matchup this week is interesting because I just told you Rams are only a, you know they're fifty five forty five pass run. They run it a lot less than they pass it. But in this game, after watching Denver have some success and keeping the 49er dominating the time of possession, dominating. keeping the 49er offense on the sidelines. Will the Rams try to do that? Will they? They. I'm looking at the the Acres so, uh, the Acres Henderson split, and it's basically fifty fifty in their backfield. Daryl Henderson and Cam Acres split the carries, basically right down the middle. Will the Rams stick with their run game and feature their run game, or will they go back to what worked for them in the final drive of the NFC Championship game, which was, you know, Cooper Cup and their receivers against the Niner DBs? I think. 
that's really the interesting matchup here is that the Rams have Allen Robinson, they have Ben Skoranek, and then they have Cooper Cup, who might be the best receiver in football, and the Niners have a rebuilt secondary. Um, how that battle gets, you know, who wins that battle between the Niner DBs and the Ram receivers, that could go a great distance to determining who wins this matchup on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, I think Cooper Cup, he's so dang good. I mean, Matt Barrow said it. And he, he, I think he's absolutely correct. You know, Cooper Cup goes for a hundred and a touchdown. I think we're, I think, I think the Niners should feel pretty good. Like he's that good that it's, it's, that is satisfying. You just can't, I mean, it, it also goes back to the Niners offense where I don't know. We, you know, I, I don't know what your feelings are about Kittle this last game. It seemed like they kind of left him in there to block a lot, but Jimmy has yet to find a guy that he just, it seems like he is in sync with and just feels super comfortable, you know, kind of like a safety blanket. I think back to 2017, it was Goodwin. Um, you know, 2018 hurt, but 2019, I felt like Emmanuel Sanders became that guy and completely changed the offense. He was so comfortable with them this year. I mean, it's hard because Iuk pretty much got blanketed by Sertan, who has allowed like 40 yards on the whole year. So he's incredible. So that's tough. But now he's got Jalen Ramsey and it's like, where's Debo in the past? It seems like they're covering Iuk as if he's the number one receiver. Debo, uh, I mean, I would love to see Debo get a little bit more involved in the passing game. It seems like Kyle kind of, it feels like he's running like a vanilla version of the Shanahan offense from last year. And he's like, well, I mean, the Debo thing worked, but I mean, people are ready for the Debo thing now. I mean, that's, that's another interesting thing is nowadays because like all the film is on everyone's phone and tablets and all this stuff. It's like people solve stuff so much quicker because the data is just available versus I'm, you know, back in your days when you were scouting and stuff, like I'm sure you had to put the tape together and like, <laughs> I'm sure that that took forever. Nowadays it's like, boom, boom, boom. Like you can't, you can't stick with your tendencies or, or you're going to get, you're going to get a uh, pass by. I just think Jimmy just needs to be sharper overall. I mean, this was his lowest rated game. This game against Denver was his lowest rated game going back to the 2020 season in week five against Miami Oof. when Jimmy played with an ankle sprain and didn't play well. So he's coming off of a horrendous performance here. He was sacked four times. He had a safety on a play where he just walked out of the back of the end zone. He had a terribly costly interception. He had a fumbled snap. He completed 53% of his passes on third down. The Niners only completed one third down the entire game. It came in the fourth quarter. Um, You know, he was three of seven for 18 yards on third down. So uh, just overall, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo needs to be a lot sharper for the 49ers to win games. There's just no question about it. He, you know, was it rust? I don't know. Was it Denver's defense? I don't know. Was it just the, the lack of reps that maybe Jimmy had in camp? I'm not really sure. Uh, he was making his, what, 48th career start. Yeah. He's played a lot of football. He knows these weapons. He knows these this offense. The people saying, well, he didn't have the playbook. That's not a factor. Jimmy Garoppolo's been in this offense for four years. He knows the playbook. Outside of Kyle Shanahan, he probably could teach the offense to somebody else. So I don't buy that Jimmy didn't have the playbook. 
But what what you can't manufacture is the work and the yeah. reps. And the one thing, you know, who needs football practice the most? I think it's the quarterbacks and the receivers. Because the quarterback's got to know how the receivers are running different routes. They've got to know, you know, they've got to they've just got to be in total lockstep. And Jimmy knows these receivers for the most part. I mean, these guys have all been here before this year, except for Danny Gray and Ray Ray McLeod. But you know, the reps are the reps, and there's nothing to replace it. Nothing replaces the practice reps. Nothing replaces receivers running routes and you getting a good feel for them and them getting a good feel for you and communicating a couple things. So um, I just think that as we go, Jimmy's going to get sharper and his rapport and kind of feel with his receivers is going to get tighter and better. Uh, and I think overall it will help the 49ers. And then I also think we may see a little bit more diversity in their running attack as far as number of carries. I don't think it's going to be Jeff Wilson exclusively. I think you're going to see more Jordan Mason. I think they'll start to tr- trust him in the weeks ahead. I think they got to. I mean, I think it's, they need more speed. They need more athleticism. Uh, they need stuff that, you know, kind of throw a wild card out there. I mean, and that is such a good point you made about the receiver chemistry. I mean, you know, people can laugh about like the offseason stories that seem like puff pieces. Like, for example, in basketball right now, it's like, oh, Zion Williamson lost all this weight. Well, coming into uh, when Stafford got traded to the Rams, the whole thing was like, oh, my God, he's attached to the hip with Cooper Cup. You know, they're going and getting breakfast every morning. And what or you? And, and then all of a sudden, you know, he has the he literally turns into Jerry Rice and they have like some sort of uh, teleport telepathic connection you see it with Brady when he doesn't trust receivers they're just they're gone they're done you know there's a reason why he goes on vacation with all these guys so it's going to be interesting to see who Jimmy you know I I kind of I kind of think that Danny Gray is going to develop a chemistry with Jimmy G I think that kid wants to work he and he he's he's so excited for the opportunity I I I mean, I saw them, we both saw them, you know, talking in the locker room a little bit today. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little Danny Gray uh, action. And I mean, man, just get the ball to him in space. Even if he doesn't know the, the plays or whatever, it's like, we can't just, they can't just, you know, keep giving the ball to Debo and Debo and Debo and Debo and hoping he's going to bust an explosive play. They need to diversify. Yeah. They also need to get it done up front. I mean, there'll be no Trent Williams. He's got the high ankle sprain, so that means he's out probably four to six weeks. Um, they tried Jalen Moore for a series. It didn't work out. They went to Colton McKivitz. Colton we talked to as well this week, and um, we'll let you hear some of that conversation. But Colton's interesting. I mean, can you know, can Colton McKivitz and Mike McGlinchey block uh, Leonard Floyd and Ashawn Robinson? I thought if there was one difference maker in the NFC Championship game that we weren't necessarily anticipating, outside of Eric Weddle, who made a couple big plays yeah. in the run game, I would say it was Ashawn Robinson. Ashawn Robinson just played his you-know-what off. He was terrific. Um, and to me, it really starts right there. Can McKivitz and McGlinchey at the tackle spots block Leonard Floyd, who's electric coming off the edge? He's an outside backer in this in this defense. And Ashawn Robinson, who's a big base end, who's you know who's got a little. Uh, he's got strength. He's got size. He's got explosiveness. He's he's no picnic. So to me, that's the huge thing in this game. In the and then also you got to remember, can the you know the one thing about Bobby Wagner is Bobby Wagner knows the Niner offense. He's seen it a lot. 
Um, and I thought he really bothered the 49ers last year on delayed blitzes. Now, granted, it was a different defense he was in. He was in Seattle's defense. Now he's in the Ram defense. But I just think that if you look at the 49ers, they're inexperienced inside with Jake Brendel and Burford and Banks at the guard spots. And you can't turn your head on Bobby Wagner. You know, if you think Wagner's dropping into coverage and you turn your head, well, as soon as you turn your head, he's going to shoot a gap and try to sack the quarterback. And at this point, Wagner as a, as a blitzer, as a delayed blitzer, is so good. He's, he's like a fanga. He's smart. He does his film study. He reads it. He knows the tendencies. And when and, he, and he's convicted. So when he sees it, there's no hesitation. And he goes. So to me, Bobby Wagner in the middle, still with a pretty good pro football focus grade, 85.6 for Wagner. He's playing at a high level. Ranked second amongst all linebackers. That's, you know. I, I, he plays a Hall of Famer. He's, 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 Hall going, of Famer. he's going to Canton for sure. Um, and he can beat you as a delayed blitzer. So if the 49ers lack communication up front, you know, it won't just be about Hollins and Floyd and Ashawn off the edges. It's going to be about Wagner shooting, shooting through the A gaps. Um, and he'll, if he reads it, he knows what he's looking at and he's aggressive. So to me, I think though, that's the challenge for the 49ers this week, uh, with the Rams is can the Niner O line match up with the Rams D-line. The Rams D-line no longer has Von Miller, but last we checked, the Rams D-line was was dominating the 49er offensive line. So that's the big question. Jimmy needs to play better. The Niner O-line needs to be able to block, and the Niner DBs have to be able to cover LA's wide receivers and tight ends. Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Tyler Higbee, Ben Skoranek. Uh, the one thing about Stafford, He's completing 73% of his passes coming into this game, but he's got four touchdowns, but he's got five picks. Yeah, he, he's so he'll, he'll throw you a pick, but you, you know, you got to catch it. Um, and he'll make mistakes, but you got to capitalize. Yeah. And, and so, uh, with that, I mean, do you have a prediction for this week? This one is this one I have the least feel for of any of the three games. Uh, I'll just say that now, you know, I. <sighs> Hart says the Niners are going to win this game, but uh, I don't know. I also could see a world. It's just like how was last week an aberration, I guess, is what we're going to kind of find out. Is it, how how rusty, how off is Jimmy G right now? Is he, you know, is this something where, you know, the Seattle game, he was good, and this is kind of a classic Jimmy G, he has a bad game. Or is, is he going to, I mean, if he plays bad again, uh, things start getting a little weird, so... I, my official prediction, I'm going 49ers to cover the spread. I've got the 49ers winning 27-24. Um, actually, scratch that. I'm going 24-20. 24-20. Yeah, I think the Niners eclipse the 20-point mark. <laughs> I'm going under. I'm going under. I'm going low-scoring game. I mean, the Niner defense is allowed an NFL low 3.9 yards per play. Uh, Denver with a Hall of Fame quarterback on a perfect weather night in their backyard with a healthy contingent of weapons had had nine three and outs, you know, nine three and outs. So I'd say the Niners keep the Rams down. I think it's a run-heavy game plan. These teams are also both in the bottom six in the NFL at pace of play. So they don't play fast. They play slow. And I expect both teams to play slow. I'll say 
12. 17-12, 49ers. They keep them out of the end zone. The Rams get four field goals. Niners win at 17-12. Oh, I thought you were going to say there was going to be another safety. <laughs> no, I'm going 17-12, low-scoring game. I think the 49ers will do a good job controlling the Rams' run game. I think the 49ers will have more success running it in this game than they've had um, you know, this year so far. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I expect a low-scoring game. Couple touchdowns from Jimmy. Couple touchdowns from Jimmy, um, and and just a, a game where you know once again it's a lot of Mitch Wisnowski. It's a lot of field position. It's a lot of punts. This guy's it's, earning his money, man. Yeah, <laughs> I do. I think the Fort Niners won't will not take a lot of chances. I think they will. I think there'll be a. You'll see. You know, Debo with some runs, maybe Ayuk with some runs, um, but I think they'll keep the ball out of the air. Um, and I'd like the 49ers to win a low-scoring game. How many explosive ge- – do you think that the Niners are going to get any explosive plays? Yeah, I do. I, I think they'll, they're will they going to try to take some shots on some explosive plays. Um, as I said, I could see Ayuk busting a run. Um, you know, I think it, it, it'll be interesting to see how, mu- how much they utilize Kittle as a blocker in this game versus as a receiver. I guess it's really going to depend on how Colton McKivitz is faring at uh, left tackle. But um, I think the 49ers will be able to establish the run. And I think we're going to see more of Jordan Mason. Yeah. I I think he's going to be introduced this week. And I would not be surprised if you saw Ayuk or Danny Gray on, you know, a run play for the wide receiver. Jet sweep, reverse, something like that. And there may be some big plays that come out of that. Yeah, my, my three question marks that I'm, I'm just really keeping an eye on this week is I want to see if there's more Jordan Mason, I want to see if there's more Danny Gray, and I want to see if Kittle gets more involved in the, in the receiving game. Those are my three. Uh, and you know what? I would be very excited if uh, all three of those guys kind of stepped it up and had big games. Well, I'm looking for Hafanga to, you know, to to crash that backfield and make a number of plays, number of tackles for loss. I think the 49ers are due for a plus two, plus three type game turnover wise. And if that's the case, I think the 49ers could win more comfortably. But I'm expecting the Niners to be plus one and to wind up winning, as I said, 17-12. Uh, they get two touchdowns and a field goal, and the Rams get four field goals. That's how I kind of see it. We'll see. We'll see what it looks like. You know, these division matchups are always tight. Uh, these teams know each other well. And, you know, it's funny. Shanahan and McVeigh have a little bit of a rivalry. They were hired the same year. Um, and McVeigh's got a Super Bowl, you know, and, and Shanahan's still pursuing his. So uh, that only adds more juice to the rivalry. All right, a couple of things before we uh, get into our interviews. Let's talk about the biggest surprise in the NFL three weeks in. What If I say to you, what is your biggest surprise in the NFL three weeks in, or what is maybe not the biggest surprise, what's something that has surprised you thus far? Jacksonville. Uh, I was not expecting Jacksonville. You know, this is a two-parter. Jacksonville being this looking this good, Trevor Lawrence looking this good already, and then on the on the flip side, the Colts looking like crap. I mean, I thought for sure they're going to bring in Matt Ryan. It's going to. I mean, Frank Reich is up there in like the you know first coach to be fired list now. Uh, I mean, their team every year it's like 
I feel like they're they're gener- uh, Ballard. Like a lot of media people have good relationships with him, and a lot of people are really pro Frank Reich. But it's like at some point you gotta start getting it done. I mean, they're they're in a weak division, and um, I mean Matt Ryan looks like he's totally cooked, which I was not expecting. And and then I mean Doug Peterson, man, give him credit. You know he got a lot of crap on on the way to that getting that Super Bowl, but. I think he's a better coach, I guess, than than uh, than I thought, and and it's just cool to see. It's cool to see Trevor Lawrence, you know, start to start to play well. So I'd say that's probably my biggest surprise, other than maybe the Eagles whomping people. But I don't really, I don't foresee it to continue. Uh, to me, the biggest surprise is the Raiders are zero and three. I mean, the Raiders had a Devontae Adams. Um, I mean, that's a Chandler Jones, um, and they're still. You know, and they've got a new regime. They brought in New England's, you know, a lot of people from New England, including Josh McDaniels. And the fact that they are 0 and 3 uh, going into the fourth week of the regular season is a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought they would be better than that. Um, I, you know, I didn't think they were going to win the division, but I thought they were going to be really, really competitive. And the, the fact that they've gotten off to the 0 and 3 start is a little bit of a surprise to me. Um, it just kind of shows that offensive line means a lot. And if you don't have a great offensive line, that can hurt you. As far as the other side of the spectrum, I just was so impressed by Dallas's defense last week. Now, oh, how much, know. how much of that was the New York Giants' offensive line being a sieve, and how much of that is Dallas? I mean, I'm looking at Dallas's D right now. Demarcus Lawrence, uh, the kid from UCLA at tackle, Dorrance Armstrong, Anthony Barr, Micah Parsons. I mean, they got some nice players. Trevon Diggs and Jordan Lewis on the back end. Uh, they added a couple young DBs as well. I just think Dallas suddenly looks like they've got some real. I don't know how they're how good they're going to be against the run, but man, if they can get a lead on you and they can they can you know send a lot of pass rush in your lap. I mean, Parsons, Barr, Armstrong, uh, Lawrence. These guys really look good. They had like what fifteen or eighteen pressures on Daniel Jones last week. If Dallas. If Dallas can defense can pressure the quarterback at that kind of a rate, who knows? Who yeah. knows with Dallas? They might. I mean, they've got an easy path to the playoffs yep. in that division. Um, if they wind up healthy, they look improved. They really do. They do, and it's crazy because they lost Randy Gregory, who also looks fantastic for Denver. But yeah, I mean, their defense is I, it's top three in the league. I think the Niners. The Niners are. A step above them, but you know it's, they're kind of similar teams at this point. I mean, with Jimmy, I mean we're both on the backup quarterback. Uh, I mean, Jimmy G's better than Cooper Rush, but you know it, their defenses are going to carry them. I, I actually think it's. I, I think before the season, I gave out take a flyer on Nick Bosa for MVP. I think put a flyer down on both Bosa and Micah Parsons. If either of those teams end up winning the division in kind of a weaker NFC, where you know Rodgers is having a down year, Brady's having a down year. Um, you know, it, the narrative, all it takes, like, for example, this Monday night, if Nick Bosa has three sacks versus the Rams and they win a tight one, it's going to start. The discourse is going to start. So, yeah, I, I think Dallas, Dallas' defense is definitely a surprise. So that leads us to our final topic here before we get into the player interviews, and that is let's take a look three weeks in at the NFC because the NFC, you kind of hit on it there. Um it it's an it's a it's like one of those things where I think every three weeks we're gonna see 
a new favorite in Las Vegas. The Eagles have uh, passed Tampa Bay as the NFC favorite, as the, the favorite to, to win the NFC and go to the Super Bowl. Uh, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts, you know, are 3-0 and out of the shoot. They got a good run game. They got a terrific O-line. They brought in A.J. Brown. They have Devontae Smith. And then they bolstered their defense, um, bringing in Chauncey Gardner-Johnson on the back end and big Jordan Davis up front. And, you know, the Eagles look pretty good. Now, I don't know if it's going to last because I'm not sure that you can run your quarterback 13 times a game and get to December in the NFL with him in one piece. But who do you like in the NFC? I mean, there's Philly, there's Dallas, there's Minnesota, there's Green Bay, there's Tampa Bay, uh, there's New Orleans, there's the Niners, there's the Rams, you know, anybody else you want to throw in there, Seattle, Arizona. Um, maybe some people would take a flyer and, and say that uh, uh, maybe even Detroit will make a nice little run. We'll see. They're one and two out of the shoot. Three weeks in, what do you think of the NFC? I mean, the NFC is looking it's looking pretty crappy and it's it's kind of awesome uh you know if you're a Niners supporter seems like every time that they've been good they've been stuck in this NFC West where first it was the Russell Wilson Seattle Seahawks who were the best team and in my opinion the Niners with Harbaugh were the second best team and those NFC championships and a lot of those play they ended up becoming like you know the default Super Bowl so that is really annoying. Then all of a sudden they get good again, but now it's the Sean McVay Rams are in there. You know, you got Kyler Murray, you still got Pete Carroll and Russell. Now the NFC is wide open. Tom Brady is, I mean, he's going to figure it out, but his offensive line is beat up. And when he doesn't have weapons, he can trust. He just is not the same guy. Rogers. I mean, he's going to find chemistry. It's already looking like he's, you know, him and Dobbs might be kind of developing something, but Again, I mean, I, how how far can they go when, if, with essentially just relying on this A.J. Dillon, Aaron Jones, du- you know, double-headed monster? Then, I mean, the Eagles, okay, the Eagles, I get why they're favorites because they probably will have the best record in the NFC, which will put them automatically, they'll get a bye, and then in such a wide-open NFC, if they have two games at home, I guess I get it. It's just they have to show me that they can come back because right now, I think they're up like... It's something crazy. It's like they they're up like 80 to 7 or something in the second quarter. So like they're going into halftime up so much and they just can coast. I need to see Jalen Hurts come back on somebody and unfortunately we're not going to see that for probably, you know, a couple weeks at least because I mean their schedule's so dang easy. So with all that said, I mean that's why I'm really not that stressed about the Niners. I actually think that there's a lot of good that I've, you know, to take away. Like, if you told me that they were going to have this potentially all-time defense with right now their strength being their safety play and their cornerback play without Jimmy Ward uh, getting coverage sacks on Russell Wilson, um, I'm feeling pretty confident about them because, you know, let's just pencil in Eagles, Bucks, Packers, and just for the sake of it, let's say Rams all make it. That still leaves three wild card slots. And those teams that they're going to fight it out with are the Vikings, who look kind of disjointed, 
them, you know, and then it's the Niners, Cowboys, who are just, a, you know, kind of a worse version of the Niners, the Saints, J- uh, Jameis Winston has back injury problems, and they look kind of all over the place. Cardinals look completely lost. Cliff King- Kingsbury is, you know, r- favored to be first coach fired. Panthers with Matt Rule, uh, no thanks. So I, I don't know. I, I, I would still pick the Niners. Gun to my head, I would still pick the Niners as long as Jimmy's healthy. I think the Niners, you know, by the end of the year, I think Jimmy's going to have it figured out. And I think that the Niners are going to be your representative in the NFC. You know, the 49ers are the only team in the NFC West that has a positive point differential. Niners are plus 10. Um, the rest of the team is minus 9, minus 23, minus 25. So I I, I think the 49ers ultimately are going to be there at the end. Yeah. I really do. I think, I think it really comes down to, you know, Tom Brady to me looks – Quite a bit older than last year. Um, I well, expect the Rodgers well, not, not his face, but but yes, yes, I agree. But as far as just <laughs> his movements, he just doesn't look comfortable. And you know, he's obviously operating behind a, ba- a, a, a offensive line that's had some injuries. Green Bay lost Devontae Adams, and I think Dobbs is going to come of age. And I wouldn't even be surprised later in the year if Christian Watson comes of age. But um, but you know, Rodgers is is you know, the, I, the, to me, I don't see the dominance that people talk about. Green Bay's defense, I think the Ford Niners defense is on a whole nother level. Oh yeah, I think ultimately it could be the Eagles, Niners, and Cowboys, um, and Rams. I mean, this next game with the Rams is gonna is Huge. gonna speak volumes um, about where the Rams are, and I expect the see. I think the Ford Niners are quite a bit deeper than the Rams, mm-hmm. so I think as the season goes, that will show itself. Um, but yeah, right now I would say it's Niners, Rams, Cowboys, Eagles, and you know Packers and Tampa are good football teams, but there's something that tells me they're past their expiration date. Maybe more so for Tampa than for uh, for Green Bay. They're both viable contenders, but I, I to me I, I still like the 49ers' chances. I realize uh, that the season has not started well, and the Rams look good on paper. And man, Philly's off to a nice start, and Dallas is coming off of a great win on the road. Um, but to me, the 49ers are still the best roster. Um, and when you combine experience, playoff experience, and you know guys who have been there and talent on both sides of the ball all three phases of the game. I think the 49ers are as good as any team in the NFC. I know the Eagles are the Eagles are the favorite and should be the favorite right now, but I, I don't think the 49ers take a backseat to anybody in the conference, but they're going to have to get Jimmy playing much better football. They're going to have to minimize their turnovers. They're going to have to minimize their penalties, and they're going to have to start playing cleaner games. If they do that... 49ers, and it, you know, one thing about the, it'll be interesting to see on Kyle Shanahan's approach to this game. The last Rams game was, I think, week 10 last year when they played them for the first time. They had to have that win. They had were coming to. up, and in similar fashion, they had to have this win, or they have to have this win. Do the Niners come out with a, you know, we're going to run through you game plan like they did last year and kind of turn it into a mono, a mono deal. Or the, the, do the Niners look at this Rams team and say, you know what, let's, we're going to air it out and throw it all over the yard and not worry about the turnovers that we made last week and, and, uh, and see if we can get a, our offense, which we think is potentially high powered. Can we get it going? Because if the Niners do get their offense going at a really good rate, 
the combination of this overpowering defense and their improvement on special teams could make them the very best team in the conference. So the Niners offensively, that's a big question mark. What are we going to see on Monday night against the Rams? Yeah, you know, it's almost it's weird. It's almost like they're the inverse of the Chiefs over the past couple of years where the Chiefs, it seems like they come in every year and they've got this unbelievable on a different level than everyone else offense. And then the defense always takes to like, you know, week 10, week 12 to really get going and they patch it together. The Niners might be the inverse of that, where their defense is like so far above everyone else. And then and I mean, I trust Shanahan to figure it out and they might just kind of have to patchwork this offense. I mean, it's going to be interesting if they throw the ball around the yard that's going to speak volumes I think that there also is a chance and I think a lot of Niners fans are going to be unhappy with this there is a chance they just run the ball and they realize you know what our defense is so dang good and we can't afford to lose time of possession and we're just going to play this one safe we're not going to go for it on a bunch of fourth downs we're just going to kind of play complimentary football run the ball run the ball run the ball kick field goals get get a touchdown and then just hold the Rams down that would be disappointing. It's not as fun of football to watch. And also just selfishly for national media, everyone was <laughs> ripping on that game last week, the Sunday night game. I'd like to see to I'd like the Niners to put on a show for the rest of the country. Well, it'll be interesting to see how they how the 49ers view themselves going forward offensively because on one hand, complimentary football would say you got a dominant defense. Run the ball and lean on your dominant defense. And you can get wins that way. That's one approach. The other approach would be, hey, you have a dominant defense, so you can take more chances offensively and throw the ball down the field and throw it all over the yard and mix formations and maybe speed up your pace a little bit and try to get your offense cooking so that, you know, because if you can, the 49ers have gotten involved now in two low-scoring games, and they've lost both of them. And, and, and you had that feeling the whole time, like, oh, my God, the Niners are dominating this game, and there's totally a chance they're going to lose it because they're just letting the other team hang around with stupid mistakes. Yeah. So but, part of that makes me wonder, do you go with a run-heavy game plan and just hope to win a bunch of low-scoring games? Um, or do you look at this and say, you know what? The defense that the 49ers have is so dominant in all three levels. You know, let's get aggressive, see if we can put 21, 24 points on the board and win by 10, you know, and win going away. I do think if the 49ers can get their offense really cooking, they could far and away, they could they could go on a run. Yeah. They could go on a run. Why? Because their defense is totally dominating. Their defense is giving up 3.9 yards per play last week, and they got Denver to go at three and out nine times. So if that defense shows up every Sunday, um, in this case Monday, um, and they you know can start putting points on the board, they're going to win some games rather easily. So I'm interested to see how Kyle Shanahan views it. He knows he's got a dominant defense. He knows he has an improved special teams. Does that make him more conservative and, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust and and it's, you know, run the ball and bury, you know, have Wishnowski bury them inside their 10-yard line and make them face long fields and just see if you can win a low-scoring game? Or have you gotten burned now in two low-scoring games that you should have won, lost them both, 
And now it's like, all right, you know what? We're going to go the opposite approach. We got a great defense. We're going to take chances on offense because we know our defense will back us up. I think it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, what, what the Kyle Shanahan week four game plan looks like, because it, to me, in my mind, it could be anything. Yeah, it could be. It really could be anything. And uh, yeah, I I'd, I personally, I'd love to see them get out to a lead early, be aggressive early. And then if you want to, you know, if you want to slow it down after after that, sort of like the Seattle game, if you as long as you can get out to a lead early, then that's fine. I I just yeah, I don't want to watch an entire game where they're just <laughs> playing complimentary football again. It's just annoying. Well, hey, coming up next, we're going to let you hear some of the dialogue that we had inside the locker room this week. And we caught up with Aaron Banks, who's a great talker. Colton McKivitz, who steps in. Very important game for Colton McKivitz as he steps in for Trent Williams at left tackle. Uh, Brock Purdy is one hit away from being the 49ers starting quarterback. Caught up with him today. Kevin Givens, who's having a really nice start to his year at defensive tackle. Uh, We talked to him in the locker room today. And maybe my favorite favorite conversation we had today was with Jeff Wilson Jr., the Niner running back, who, you know, it was all on him last week. And will will uh, Kyle Shanahan diversify the attack and split up the carries, or will it be another, you know, Jeff Wilson kind of a game? The thing about Wilson is he will run over you, and he's, he's very physical. Um, and I thought, uh, you know, that first half run where Burford – blocked uh, DJ Jones and Wilson cut it back and it went for 37. You know, he could, if he could mix in two or three more in, inside runs like that, uh, that would help their cause. But we're going to hear from Jeff Wilson as well. And I thought to me, he was fantastic. And it was also interesting listening to him talk about, you know, what he does in the evenings, um, you know, at home to prepare for, you know, for a game on Sunday, in this case, Monday. Oh yeah. He's got a great personality. He, he was, uh, when, I don't even know if we aired this interview, but you know, a couple of weeks back we were interviewing, uh, uh, we were interviewing Lenore and, um, he, I, I was like, Hey, Hey, Jeff, 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 just cause I saw him, he was messing with Lenore and I was like, Hey, Hey, you want to ask Diamador a question? Ask him a question. I gave him the mic and then he asked just like a pretty dark question. It was like, <laughs> it was like, it was like, if every, if the world was ending and you could only save one person in your family <laughs> and I wanted to give it back to him. But then I was like, as it was going through my brain, I was like, that's just, no, I don't, I don't want to put that out. I don't want to, I don't want to uh, mess with the man. Uh, so yeah, no, he's a great interview. And then also, we got the great Matt Barrows. I mean, nobody's better talking Niners than yeah. Matt Barrows, man. So got him for about 40 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you're, you're all in luck. <laughs> all good stuff. Who are we going to start with? Uh, I think, hmm, I say we start with Barrows. Start with Barrows, build up the tension, and then get get to the interviews. There you go. Matt Barrows has been covering the 49ers for years. Started with the Sacramento Bee, now covers them for the Athletic. And we had a great conversation. We talked lip reading. We hmm. did. We did. I wonder why we talked lip reading. <laughs> uh, we talked lip reading, and we talked about a number of different things, and Matt Barrows was phenomenal. And he's coming up next on the Tales from the Bay podcast, the fourth edition starring Ryan Smith and Larry Kruger. for the Tales for the Bay podcast and so much more. Larry Kruger, Ryan Smith with you. Uh, the great Matt Barrow 
Burroughs is in the house. We'll give the band the rest of the uh, day off. But you know what? The fans are going crazy. If I can come the studio audience. What does that tell you? Tells you money's coming. Yeah, that's right. Cha-ching. Cha-ching. Why? Because Matt Barrows knows his Niners. Um, if I could deaden my mic, I would, and I would just have my mouth moving because then you could have to read my lips. <laughs> All right, that is the story. Why don't we start right there? That is like the big story on this, uh, the day that we're taping this is somebody got a hold of a picture of Jimmy Garoppolo, a close-up of his helmet, and he look, he's either saying draw plays suck or your plays suck or whatever. He, he's expressing just the, the, the video everyone ran with is just some guy who, who's filming his tv on his phone like why was no why was the one of just like the actual broadcast not going around <laughs> yeah exactly so maddie what's your what was garoppolo saying that we don't know what he was saying are you a lip reader or do the people at the athletic uh, they put you in touch with one well, that's a very good question. I I actually Googled lip reader, lip reader Bay Area to see if there was anybody in the Bay Area that I could uh, get on the phone. If there's like a university professor that kind of specializes in it. So I'm on the case. To me, it's it's a little too convenient that that, you know, the, the, the big storyline here is our you know, Kyle and uh, Jimmy getting along this started um, after the Seahawks game, really, where Jimmy was talking about, oh, it felt like 2017 out there. Uh, and that brought the question, oh, it seems like he's happier when, you know, he's not fully ensconced in this offense and he doesn't have the restraint of the Shanahan offense. So um, to me, it just, it's just too convenient um, that it's, you know, he's, he's, he's screaming out exactly what everybody is is sort of wondering, but everybody who I've sent it to, and the, the, the problem is you send out that clip, and it's got the the guy's interpretation of what he says, and I, I just yeah. wondering whether that's influencing what you think it says, whether if it was just fresh, you would come up with something else. But for the life of me, I can't I can't come up with you know it's not like uh, hey let's have pizza tonight uh, type of thing. <laughs> um, uh, there's nothing else that really kind of fits what his mouth is uh, enunciating as, as nicely as, Hey, your place suck, man. I mean, I, I'm either, I either got, you know, somebody was saying all your, all of your plays suck, man. Uh, I read it as him saying draw plays suck, man, but it was coming after a passing play. Uh, somebody has pointed out and not yeah. a run play. So who's, who's, you know, yeah, the, uh, the all bothered me too. I didn't think it was all, that's not the, that's not the motion your mouth makes with all. And, and I also wonder about plays like PL words is a distinct, um, I don't know how to, how to describe it. I haven't, I haven't done much lip reading, but it seems like more of a PR word. You think instead of fluff, that's my, <laughs> that's my, that's how, that's how deep in the weeds I've gotten on this. It's it's a shooter film level. Oh yeah, exactly. Was there a second shooter? <laughs> All right, here's the question that Steve Young brought up the other day, and I think it's interesting. 
He says, I, and it's not a point as much as he'll wish on his part. He goes, I really hope, and obviously Steve's a former Niner. He's still very heavily invested in the Niners. He would admit to you and I that he's rooting for the Niners. You can hear that. You know, we, I think we all know that at this point, even though he works for ESPN. And he said, you know what? I hope that Kyle and Jimmy use this kind of second go around at a marriage as a way to kind of get better. Like Jimmy goes to Kyle and says, Hey, look, you know, this is what I don't like about, you know, the way you've managed me up to this point, maybe since 2017, I'd like a little bit more freedom. I want to go down the field, whatever it is. And that Kyle would say, you know, this is what I'm not loving about the way you're operating my system or the way you're preparing for these games and that they get, they go beyond their relationship of the past and grow. And that is totally healthy. It's great idea on Steve's part, but I get the feeling that that might be pie in the sky uh, and that, you know, they could just be going forward as islands unto themselves. Not that they're not wanting to work together and nominally will, but that, you know, maybe there's part of Jimmy that's like, you know what? Screw off. I'm I'm gone at the end of the year. And there's part of Kyle sitting there going, you know, this guy's not fa- not salvageable. He's not fixable. If he was going to do it, he would have done it by now. So I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and he's going to keep doing what he's doing. And they're going down the road seemingly together. But have they really mended fences and kind of built up a better relationship or are they just kind of going forward with the issues that exist in their past relationship? I, I know where Steve's coming from. I just think it's highly doubtful that they're going to do that. What? And that's just my read on it from afar. You're there and are more in tune with uh, these personalities than I am. What do you think this second go round does for the relationship of Garoppolo and Shanahan? Well, I mean, um, and what I was just talking about, after the, the Seattle game, you know, Jimmy's first foray into the season, he did seem to be sending a signal. It wasn't overt. It was open to all sorts of interpretation. And on Friday when, when Shanahan talked, he, he kind of chose to uh, pretend not to really know what he was talking about. So there didn't seem to be a lot of interest in what Jimmy was saying. But to my ear, it was... Yeah, I mean, I, I had a lot of fun on Sunday against the Seahawks. Reminded me of 2017. Uh, 2017 was a lot of um, yeah, improvisation is too big of a word, but it was a little bit like it. he didn't have the full offense. He was out there. He had a rudimentary knowledge of it, and, and a lot of it was just um, his kind of uh, uh, chemistry, his quick clicking with – the Marquise Goodwins, the Trent Taylors, the George Kittles of the world uh, at the end of that season. And um, yeah, that's what it kind of reminded him of when he came in right off the, you know, yeah, off the bench, uh, Trey Lance uh, uh, play sheet for that game. Um, some new plays that he hadn't really practiced before. Uh, some go routes that usually aren't in the playbook for him. Uh, or aren't being called on, on game day for him. So uh, he did seem to be trying to communicate that to, to Kyle Shanahan. He didn't back away from it when he spoke on uh, on Thursday of last week either. Um, but uh, your point is also well taken. Um, you know, Shanahan, there's, a, there's room for one star in this offense, and that star is Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan thinks that, you know, there's an answer for every sort of um, – question that, that will come up on a play, that there should be an answer, an avenue for the quarterback to go in. 
uh, and there doesn't need to be improvisation and, and things like that. So it's a great question. I would say that, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's big um, looming thing is that he's going to be a free agent in, in March. And he's trying to basically audition as best he can. So that would explain his motivation to kind of finally get into uh, kind of a system, a rhythm with Shanahan that suits him best of all. But that would, you know, that would require them not butting heads with each other and, that, and this not dissolving into a, uh, a public quarterback coach debacle. Um, so I, uh, that, that's what I think. I mean, I, I think you're, you're right. I think, um, like I said, uh, you know, more success Jimmy Garoppolo has this year, the more success Kyle Shanahan will have. Um, they're on the same uh, – they're on the, they should be on the same page in all of this, it, but it, it, it'll be interesting to see how these personalities work because, uh, frankly, uh, Garoppolo has acquiesced to this point, and Shanahan has been more uh, stern. So both guys are going to have to change their mo a little bit for that to, for that to happen. Yeah, I you know I was trying to think uh, what was the, what was the real difference between the Seattle game, like you're saying, you know. Jimmy was talking about yeah, it was a little more free like 2017. What was the difference between that game and then this game? And just in your opinion, did it feel like, uh, did it feel like more of a Shanahan offense where it was just like, you know, get it out quick timing rhythm. And, and perhaps the reason why Jimmy was, uh, you know, not as sharp was just, you know, his timing with these receivers is probably not there to, you know, I mean, he hasn't been throwing to these guys uh, for a while. I mean, I noticed there was no Danny Gray. I thought Danny Gray has been really impressive, but the only thing I can think of is, you know, they don't, Jimmy doesn't have the, the chemistry with him yet to, to make all those throws. Uh, and then also the run game was, was really, really non-existent. I mean, if you take out the Jeff Wilson run, the 37 yarder or whatever it was, and then the 18 yarder, Debo and Jeff Wilson combined for 15 runs for 29 yards. So is it, did you just, is it, what I essentially I'm just asking, like, what, what's your uh, feeling as to why he played so poorly compared to the first his first? Week? Well, I mean, I think your initial question would be is going to be a great one for Garoppolo this week. And Garoppolo, I think, is going to talk on Friday. So we're going to have to wait a little while. But that's a great question. What was different about the Seattle game? You, you came out of that game kind of raving about it. And the and the, um, the most recent game, which everybody came out saying that, you know, that there were all sorts of issues. What were, what were the, you know, aside, aside from the outcome, what were the differences in sort of the, the, the types of plays and all that? I think that's a great question. Whether he answers it or not, those are often <laughs> two different things. Um, but, you know, you know, my interpretation of why they were just so bad in Denver, um, you know, it, it starts with, uh, you know, Garoppolo is just off and that, that that happens sometimes, and and you can and it's understandable that it would happen to him in this game, given how odd his off season was. I also think that we're not giving Denver's defense enough credit. I thought yeah. that they were really really good, and um, you know uh, I think probably by the end of the season that's going to become even more clear. And and that kind of caused that offensive line, which you know. Three weeks ago, that was our, our biggest worry about this team. Oh, boy, this offensive line is young. Um, nobody's distinguished. How are they going to do? And they didn't play well. I mean, one guy played well, and then that guy got hurt in the third quarter. And then his replacement was just absolutely uh, terrible. So, 
um, that the, the offensive line basically lived down to all of our low expectations for it. And it was the first time the season that that happened. And um, yeah, so I, I think that those were kind of the, the two biggest reasons um, why why this team failed as much as it did. I mean, I wrote about this week that there were some some big plays that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo just missed. I mean, there's no two ways about it. When Debo Samuel is is uh, being covered down the sideline by a linebacker, um, and, and this was a, a completion, but it should have been an 85-yard touchdown. I, I think, um, you know, most days of the year with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, most quarterbacks in the end. That's a house call. That's a house call. And there, there, were, there were three of those, and they all involved Debo Samuel. I mean, they're trying to get Debo Samuel matched up on some of these guys and, and, you know, on some of these plays, that was exactly what happened. And uh, Garoppolo just missed him. Uh, so that's, 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 you know, potentially 21 points right there. Um, you know, that's a little dramatic. probably not quite that, but that's a, it's a, enough for a 49ers win versus a one point loss. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it was, there, there's certain things, you you know, to me, you're minus three in turnovers for the game. I mean, Not I don't know what the safety, which is a turnover. Yeah. You're so you're minus three and you had a safety and then mix in that you were one for 10 on third downs. It's like. You could talk about anything after that, and you're not going to win that game just on those things alone. The fact that it was a one point game on the road against what you what you're saying is probably a top tier defense um, speaks to what kind of talent this roster has. Uh, Denver dominated the time of possession. They had 70 plays to 52, 35 minutes to 25. The Niners had no offensive rhythm to speak of in the second half of this game. They only really had one offensive drive of note, uh, and it came early on and was uh, capped by the that pr- you know really nice play call uh, to Ayuk on the pick play that didn't get called on Debo, where Debo picks his man clearly. He wasn't running around at all, and Ayuk is just wide open. And on the weak side, they went two tight ends, one back in the eye. But what do you think as far as as we fast forward this thing into the Ram game? Is this is this very in my mind, Matt, it sets up very similarly to the first Ram game against the Niners last year, where the Rams looked like a way better team. The Niners were not going to get blown out of the water and the 49ers almost need to play ball control and just run the heck out of it. And I kind of feel like. You know, like like Burford, for example, on the offensive line struggled. I think he gave up three pressures against Denver. But man, on that Jeff Wilson thirty-seven uh, yard run up the gut, it was Burford who buried DJ Jones and create caved in that whole right side. And and Joe, uh, um, uh, the running back cut it back. Wilson cut it back, and that was the big gainer right there. So maybe they're a better run blocking line than a than a pass blocking line. I'm expecting a run heavy game plan against the. Rams what are you expecting yeah I mean that's how they got uh right last year I mean I think they were three and five heading into that game that was the game that Shanahan said after the season that if they had lost that one um he he really was going to think seriously about inserting Trey Lance because all of a sudden you're playing for the future instead of uh, playing for that season so um that was a huge one um I think it was 44 rushes in that game 3.5 3.5 yards. I was like the night. first Debo running the ball situation. I mean, I, I remember that game distinctly because I, uh, 
put a little hundred hundred to one wager on the Niners to win the Super Bowl before that game. And that's how that's how desperate. I mean, if people forget, like last year, it felt like the season was over uh, going into that game. Oh, yeah. And, and that was week 10. I mean, yeah. Late in the season. I mean, if people are are, uh, are freaking out right now, it's uh, we're going into week four. So um, there was it was it was more dire straits at that point last year. Um, I don't want to say this, but they, the 49ers could lose this game and still be okay. In the the NFC is not good this year. Yeah, and it's it's still early enough that they they can you know turn turn it on. They got a, a two week road trip in uh, Carolina and Atlanta uh, the next two weeks, so um, they they could easily get right on their. I'm going to stay in West Virginia again on their West Virginia sojourn. So, yeah, I think it'll be a, a lot of runs. I think they'll get try to get Debo Samuel. I mean, that was his worst running game um, since the midseason last year when they when they started using him there. His, his longest run was three yards. Yep. Which, uh, you never see that. I think, I think his previous shortest, longest run had been 13. Uh, so, uh, dramatic difference there. They'll, they'll try to get it going. They usually do against the Rams. Um, no Trent Williams. That's that's a uh, that's a big big deal. Yeah, it is. Uh, but but uh, you know, in, in 2019, they had no. I don't. I forget whether it was the game that um, both Joe Staley and Mike McGlinchey were out. Yeah. But they played the Rams, and oh, they, they were they were not going to beat the Rams. No way. Uh, Aaron Donald against a, a really beat up offensive line. Uh, there's, there's no possible way they could do it, and they did. So um, it's it's possible this would be a great way to get it going. Um, but uh, yeah, it does seem like every time the 49ers need to kind of get some some mojo going, the uh, the Rams are looming on their schedule, and they usually rise to the occasion. Yeah, they absolutely do. Um, you know, as I thought it, I was listening to the Chris Forster interview um, again Saturday. I was at my kid's baseball practice and I'm sitting there in the outfield. And I'm like, eh, what the heck? I'm sitting here in the middle of a field. Father uh, of the year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, father of the year. year. I might as well uh, multitask. So I'm listening to Chris Forster and Jordan Mason came up and he's like, I thought he was going to be more glowing. The kid was awesome in the preseason. He's like, yeah, he had a couple nice runs in the preseason, like almost to the effect of like, let's see what he does when the nation's watching, you know, like he was expecting the kid to, you know, wet his pants or something, or like he wasn't going to be up to it. I mean, wasn't a ringing endorsement at all. I mean, uh, you know, the, the Mason family did not ask for a copy of that interview. I'm pretty sure. Or maybe they did. Cause it maybe, it's uh, bulletin board material at this point, but they only gave him. They he acted like he had no confidence in this kid, and then they coached um, like they had no confidence in him. He had one carry for seven seven yards. They only ran it nineteen times. They threw it twenty nine times, which is interesting. It's a low scoring game, and the run game is so you know obviously they didn't feel like they could run. But Jordan Mason to me, to me seems like he deserves a bunch more touches and and more carries. Do you think we will see those carries? in this Rams game. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll be uh, come down to how much they're able to run it. I mean, the week before, they gave Ty Davis-Price a lot of carries. Um, I forget what the number was, but it was more than I was expecting. They also ran the ball 45 times in that game. So I, I think that's the, the real explanation. I mean, you just can't run one guy that much, so you've got to spread it around. So, I mean, it's going to you know depend on the game. I mean, how, how what kind of game it is, whether they think they can run 
um, et cetera, et cetera. I, I, I went through the three Rams games last year. And, um, you know, we just talked about week 10, great rushing game for them. I forget what the total was, 153 or something like that. Evo was averaging more than seven yards a carry. Through week 18, um, it was uh, like 135 yards. Debo was averaging five point something yards a carry. Scored a, scored a rushing touchdown in both of those games. But it was lower uh, than week 10. And then in the playoffs, they only had 50 rushing yards, and, and Debo didn't do nearly as well. And he had no rushing touchdowns. So, I mean, there's a sense that the Rams uh, eventually kind of caught on to what the 49ers are doing. That's a question I've been getting all week. It's like, oh, boy, have, have teams figured out Debo Samuel at this point? And I think the answer is is no. I think, again, I think the, the Broncos had have a really good defense. They've got a defense that – played against this very offense all throughout the offseason. So they're well-versed in what the 49ers were doing. Uh, and the Rams are too. Um, but, I, you know, I go back to, you know, the Mike Shanahan teams. I think he's frozen. Oh, yeah, because he was talking right in the he's middle there. He's making a huh? point. Yeah. Here, I'll, I'll... Maybe we can see if we can unfreeze Matt. Yeah. There we go. We've added Matt back. Oh, looking great. Um, nice. Bulky um, wireless connection, I think it was. Ah, <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm hardwired now in the old... Uh, oh, look at you. Ooh. Uh, not as great background. I don't have the Masterpiece Theater. Though. I know. Oh, what are we, what are we looking at there? This is truly now... Uh, now, now you're looking down, kind of? You're more... <laughs> Well, I am looking down at you, Larry. Yeah. Yes, you're very much looking down upon us there, right now. There we um, go. <laughs> it will move the boxes around. But um, go ahead. Do you remember what question we had asked right before? I think we, we were talking about the rushing and Jeff Wilson, if you think that they're going to get uh, the running on track with Debo, and Debo's going to figure it out. Yeah, I, I was talking about how through the three Rams games last year, the, the rushing got a little bit uh, worse per game. And so the question is, are teams kind of catching up with Shanahan, especially these teams that run the same offenses as him? And uh, I was going back to the Mike Shanahan days and, you know, um, he was running that offense year after year. And, um, you know, uh, defenses never really caught up with them. I mean, they had a, a different thousand yard rusher, different guy uh, almost every year. So, um, you know, that, that was Shanahan's explanation on, on Monday that uh, there were some plays for Debo that we were really close to breaking. Uh, we just had to execute a little bit better. And, and I think that's right. I mean, um, uh, there, there, there were some runs that, uh, if, if something breaks one way, he's, he's not, not gone, but he's, um, getting a, a nice chunk of yardage there. So, uh, it'll be interesting to, to see whether they can do it. Um, again, um, they seem to get right whenever they play the Rams. Were you surprised that they went from Trent to Jalen Moore and then Colton McKivitz? I mean, what would it, and if you're Jalen Moore at this point, you know, you know, it's like the old, uh, what would you say you do here? I mean, you know, what, what is his role if he can't even be trusted to play as a backup at offensive tackle? Isn't he the third tackle? Like, sounds like they're going to go with McKivitz. Sounds like they trust McKivitz more. But if yeah, you trusted him more, why didn't they just go to him right away? Well, McKivitz was the, the the backup tackle, but then he sprained his ankle in the run up to the game during the week. 
Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, uh, it wasn't hundred so percent. He had an ankle sprain like early on. It was either Wednesday or Thursday, and so Moore ended up getting the bulk of the the practice snaps there. So they figured, okay, he's more ready. He's been kind of practicing against this this defense all week. Uh, let's put him in there. But it was short lived. It was two series, and then he was gone. Um, there were only four pass plays in those two series, and and he messed up twice on on those. Uh, two out of four. So he was batting, he's batting 500, which isn't great. Um, so McKibbis is, is ahead of him on the depth chart anyway. Um, the only reason he wouldn't start is if his ankle somehow um, was, was problematic for the game. To me, the question is, um, who's, who's next? Um, will it be Blake Hance, guy that they brought in right before the season, or will, will it be Moore? And my guess, you know, the way things are going, Remember, Moore was uh, was a starter. Early he looked last good. Year. He looked good in preseason as a rookie. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his uh, it was arrow up for him, and then at some point he got passed up by McKibbitts last year. And remember, McKibbitts didn't even make the initial roster. That's right. And when they got him back on the practice squad, they're like, "Okay, you're a guard now. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna play guard for us." And yet somehow Moore lost that job to a guy who didn't make the initial roster, and then they thought would be a guard. So something happened to Moore at some point uh, where— It's mental. As you noted, they just kind of lost trust in him. So I think it's only a matter of time before Hans. This will happen when Brendel—I'm uh, sorry, I'm getting all my, my B offensive linemen mixed up. When Brunskill's uh, hamstring is fully healed, he's going to go back to being the backup center. So I wonder when that happens, whether this guy, uh, Blake Hance, is going to end up being one of the backup offensive tackles. My So going back a little bit to the Debo thing, the thing that concerns me is just, I imagine Kyle Shanahan's in the lab all offseason working on this offense to build around Trey Lance and all these new wrinkles. Because like you said, it's sort of like the, you know, Seattle Pete Carroll defense. It's like, you know, it was great. And then Everybody, all the coordinators got hired away. Everyone ran it. And then now it's solved. Same things happening with the Shanahan offense. Now, unfortunately, I think he could have come up with some wrinkles in the offseason if he knew he was going to Jimmy G. But now it's just he's got Jimmy G and he's kind of it seems like he's running the vanilla version of, of the Kyle Shanahan offense. And this league is about explosive plays. Where are the explosive plays going to come from? Because in 2019, or I mean, it, it kind of reminds me actually of the Dolphins. It's like in 2019, the entire team was so dang fast. It was like Goodwin, Mostert, Breida, Tevin Coleman, all these guys, they had runners that could break explosive pra- plays. Now, Jeff Wilson had that one for 30 plus yards, but I, he, I mean, that's not really going to happen again, probably. It was his career career long. So where where's where are the explosive plays going to come from if the running game is not as explosive and 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 how is Kyle going to have to change the offense? It's it's a great point. All the speed speed is now in Miami and another town. I was just looking at the speed numbers. They haven't had a guy break the uh, the twenty mile per hour mark um, so far this season. Now they had two rain games and then uh, Sunday's game in Denver. So uh, we don't really have a great um, basis yet for that, but. Um, you're absolutely right, Ryan. I mean, uh, I, mean I, I think to answer your question, they think that Debo is that guy. Last year, Debo came in to become the Raheem Mostert in the in the offense, and, and it worked. Um, he provided explosive plays just about every time he was in the game. So that was the big 
sort of aberration uh, in Denver is that um, Depot didn't supply any sort of explosion um, on at running back. He, he was he was good as a wide receiver. Um, I think Jeff Wilson actually averaged over six yards a carry, and uh, Jordan Mason on his one carry had yeah. seven. He so, was seven. So maybe the answer is Mason. Maybe, um, you know, they, they start to gain a little confidence. I, I think uh, going back to Larry's point about um, choosing Chris Furster over his own children, um, it's it's that uh, they just don't like rookies. Um, you know, they're very reluctant to play rookie runners. So you, you have to be a pretty special guy to be a rookie and to get a lot of playtime in the system. And uh, you know, I, I would imagine that um, Mason did well in, in the scant number of snaps he did. Uh, but like I said, I think it's going to depend on how many overall carries they have in this game. Let's talk about the Rams a little bit in the matchup because I think it's really interesting. I, I felt like the, when the Niners came out in the first game, I think you said it was week 10, and they just gutted the Rams and they just ran down, ran it down their throat. It was almost like they made it a referendum on which team's tougher and that the 49ers loudly stated, we are tougher than you. And I kind of felt like McVay fell into that trap because instead of really going to their advantage, which is Cooper Cup and their pass game, um, they ran it with Sony Michelle and they ran it with their backs, almost like trying to weaken run two kind of a thing. Well, by the time the NFC Championship came, came around, I think McVay was over the machismo factor and just said, you know what? You can't like in game two of the matchup, they threw seven passes to Cooper Cup. They completed seven passes to Cooper Cup, but they they didn't throw enough passes to him. In the championship game, I think they understood that. And the Niners never really stopped Cooper Cup. But now the DBs are all different, right? You got Charvarius, you got a healthy Mosley. Um, you had Womack at the nickel. Now you got Diamador Lenore if it holds steady from last week. What do you think? Do the Niners what do you think of the the, the, the Niner new look? with Cooper Cup and the Rams because one of the reasons they didn't the Niners didn't go to the bowl is they really just could never stop Cooper Cup um, and you know K1 Williams has now moved on and they found uh, new guys in the nickel w- what do you think are they going to be able to corral Cup I mean that's that, you're, you're absolutely right and I don't, I don't think it was just a championship game I think it was week 18 too yeah. they went they went heavy on Cup in both of those games and, and the 49ers didn't really have an answer um I mean, uh, K1 Williams was fading at the end of last year. Remember, it was Dante Johnson who was tapped in week 18 to be the nickel, and, and he did an admirable job. But um, they do have young guns. And nobody stops Cup, though. I mean, you, you hold Cup under uh, 100 yards, and, and you come away thinking, oh, man, we, we, we won this outing. Even if it's, uh, you know, 95 and a, and a TD, you think, uh, boy, we did a great job on, on Cooper Cup. So, um, yeah, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, I think this is something that Shanahan does. He wants uh, to put these rookies um, uh, under uh, a lot of pressure in, in the week. Um, you know, we've seen this year in, year out. Um, and, and we've seen the kind of the repercussion when that rookie doesn't have a lot of pressure. Remember Brandon Ayuk in 2020, mm. they had to go with him. And then they weren't all that happy with him in the 2021 offseason. So, I think this is a way of making sure that these guys stay sharp and more to the point, 
sort of um, creating the right habits as a rookie that these guys are going to have to have in, in future years. Uh, I think the 49ers feel that's going to pay dividends down the line. So I think they like the fact that Lenore and Womack are sort of, you know, going at it, um, you know, competition-wise. I think they like the fact that uh, well, it was Ty Davis-Price and Jordan Mason, but now maybe it's Marlon Mack and Jordan Mason who are sort of in, uh, you know, in competition for that number two role. I think they want that during the week so that it produces better players overall. Kyle Shanahan has taken a ton of criticism right before you cut out. I was asking you a little bit about that criticism. There's people who want to trade him for Sean Payton. Uh, there's people that want to run him out of town. There's people that uh, are trying to suggest there's a rift between him and Garoppolo. It's it's amazing how no matter what happens in a football game, um, it's always either the head coach or the quarterback's got to go. <laughs> and 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 it's like sometimes it's both, right? And it seems like we just filibuster on the we obsess on those two guys as a football watching public. And I've had people explain the theory to me that the TV shows the most images of the quarterback's face and the head coach's face, and so people always throw all of their whatever on those two guys. But when I ask players, when Ryan and I are down there talking to players, there's like this unbelievable um, respect for Kyle Shanahan. I don't see any, I don't see anybody who, in, I don't think I've talked to anybody on either side of the football that isn't incredibly glowing in their uh, respect for Kyle and what he does and what he contributes. And yet to hear people talk about it this week, you'd swear that, you know, uh, he's on the outs and you know, there's tons of pressure and he could be out any moment. And it's like, what? I mean, what do you <laughs> what do you make of the disconnect between the actual story and the public discussion of the team? Because it's we're now getting into like a twilight zone where they're only like loosely related. Well, I mean, going into the season, do you agree with that? By the way, that's my that's my opinion. I, I absolutely agree with that. Um, I was going to say that going into the season, it was, you know, Trey Lance. I mean, people always have to have, you know. Uh, oh, it's Easton first take amongst the fan base. It's great. A, bi- a binary um, controversy. It's uh, it's black and white. It's up versus down, uh, you know, whatever you want to say. And, and Are you a Jimmy guy? Season. Are you a Trey guy? Exactly. It's like, what? A- absolutely. It's one or the other. And right. early on, it was Trey and Jimmy. Trey's not in the equation anymore. So you had to find somebody to replace Trey, and it's, hey, it's Kyle Shanahan there now. Right, right. So that's, that's how I kind of interpret it on a very basic level. I agree with what you guys say, and, and I'll go one step further. Uh, when you talk to the owner, um, the owner loves Kyle Shanahan just as much. So, I mean, uh, it, it's again, it, we just got done with week, week three. It's it's you can't no no one's getting rid of Kyle Shanahan. Um, he's almost got a built-in excuse already, in that his starting quarterback got hurt in week two. What are you, what are you going to do? I mean, even if even as the season tanks, even if they go two and fifteen, um, I don't think there's any change at the end of the season because of that sort of built-in issue, issue right there. The guy that we thought was going to be our starting quarterback isn't there. How many teams are going to recover from that? Not, not many. Uh, so, I mean, uh, I don't see that having any sort of legs, although, um, you know, I do a mailbag 
each week. And yeah, what uh, are you hearing from the fans the in the mailbag? The majority uh, of it is people not happy with Kyle Shanahan, pointing at wow. Kyle really overall wow. record and saying, okay, if this guy's such a, an offensive genius, why do they only have 10, 10 points in Denver? And it, it's a nice, it's a, it's a legitimate question. Sure. Um, but I, I think over the course of time, it's going to write itself. Uh, there have been these types of hiccups, um, even in, in the 49ers kind of winning seasons the last few years. Bottom line, this guy's gone to the championship, uh, you know, twice in the last three seasons. So that's not that's, got blown out either. Been been had leads uh, were favored to win. If you if you look at the live odds and from the fourth. Yeah. And, and that's another that's another um, yeah, refrain in the critiques that, uh, oh, what did this guy do in the second half? Um, he's the king of uh, blown 10 point leads or or higher. Um, and, and these are all good questions. But again, I, I just don't think that, you know, it, it's, it's it's up to ownership and um you know, ownership just really, really likes this guy, and and more to the point, ownership likes the um, the team that's been created over the last five seasons. Um, one arrest, or, or one guy arrested, I should say, he was arrested multiple times. Um, uh, I'm, I'm talking about Ruben Foster, but I mean, before that, that there, there was one a week. It seemed like there were there were a lot of issues with the team. Uh, and that was that was bothersome to a lot of people. So it's it's been better, um, is, is what I'm saying. Um, I, I, Matt, you know what? Uh, just building off that, you know, I mean, you've been around the team forever. You see, you, you know these guys. You've been around the locker room. This is my first experience being in an NFL locker room. And what I was told is like, look, man, they're just guys. You know, you're going to have your bad dudes. You're going to have guys that are okay dudes. You're going to have guys that are pretty good. Dudes. They're just people, man. Like some, you know, some of them suck. Every single person that we've talked to, you know, it, we've shown them respect and, and they show it right back. They've been all open books, just super nice. They all seem it's kind of crazy. The defense is so ferocious and it seems like every one of them, even their stars are like super kind of intelligent and mild mannered and kind of like laid back. But then when they get on the field, they flip the switch and it's like being in this locker room. It's like this is when people talk about having creating a good culture. This feels like a freaking great culture. It seems like they specifically go out of their way to get good culture guys. And and so from that perspective, I mean, how is it how is this locker room would you say different than the past couple of years? And uh, I guess maybe expand on that point of like that's another thing people people want to build controversy. Oh, Jimmy hates it. But it's like no, everybody's singing kumbaya in there. No, for sure. I mean, it's it's been good for for several years now. And um it was not good before then. Um, and and I, I think that has to do with, um, you know, with, with John Lynch. This has been a, a, a major criterion for him to kind of build that kind of locker room. And, um, you know, they, they had some good guys to, to begin that. I think Joe Staley, to me, it, it went from um, Justin Smith was sort of the king of the locker room a decade ago. And so the culture of the locker room basically – uh, revolved around him and the, and the Justin Smith personality and the John, and the Jim Harbaugh personality were were really close. I mean, very kind of rough and tumble, um, workmanlike, blue collar, um, but it was not so media friendly. And there was a lot of um, um, extracurricular stuff, uh, especially re- involving alcohol. I mean, that that to me kept popping up as as the source. 
of a lot of people's issues. A lot of the arrests were alcohol related. Um, and then uh, sort of Joe Staley inherited that that mantle as locker room king. And um, I think feel like he's passed that on to uh, George Kittle and, um, and, and Trent Williams and Jason Verrett. And these are all just um, really, really good guys. And, and, and Kittle has sort of a – sweetness is not a word you use with football players a lot, but there's um, you know uh, a friendliness, uh, a banter, uh, a, a real kind of uh, personality there. That, he's a Midwestern, uh, he's a Midwestern guy, right? I mean, he's yeah, a- exactly. But, but he's, he's, there's a creative element to him too. Um, you see the tattoos and the wrestling, and um, you know you see it uh, when he's at the podium, um, and and he's the loudest, the biggest voice in that locker room. And I know it hasn't seemed that way this year because he's been injured, but um, he's the guy I would point to to being the the spokesman of the team. Um, and um, I think that that goes a long way. I mean, it's it's kind of top down. You you the locker room takes on the personality personalities of its leaders and uh, you know you, you see that when you guys are in there doing your your one-on-ones you know it's interesting that this is uh you said you're getting a lot on shanahan in the uh in the in what you're doing in the chat we don't we don't have the same thing you're doing it's almost kind of the same it's the public kyle Shan- here's one from romelia sb super bowl champs report he says kyle shanahan has gotten a pass by the media he's into his sixth year and as we speak he's 40 and 44 as a 49er head coach he goes on to say with shanahan there's always excuses there's only one only a quarterback who's one with is Jimmy Garoppolo. Meanwhile, the 49ers team is loaded and the media isn't letting Kyle have it. Amazing. Um, if you want to react to that, I mean, I personally, I don't know what what we as a collective are supposed to do. Um, the reality of the situation is not lost on any of us, which is to me, if every NFL coach was a free agent tomorrow, who would land the biggest contract? And it might be Kyle Shanahan. I think it would be. You know, and if it's not Kyle Shanahan, he's going to be on. He'll be very close to at or near the top of the list. If every one of these coaches were free agents, that's what that's my barometer. And also, I think he's an outstanding play caller. And I think you know a lot of this is the media circus, and a lot of it's out of his control. He may not be a great personnel evaluator, and he may have dabbled too much in that in those areas in his first four or five years. And if you told me that was a fact, I wouldn't fight it. I wouldn't even argue it. That might be the case. But um, that's, you know, that, you know, to me, you know, that's we're learning together what his strengths are and weaknesses are. What's your feeling on the media's handling of Shanahan? Are we collectively too easy on him? Um, this guy goes on to say, Kyle Shanahan, football excuses, genius. You probably heard a lot of these sentiments in your chat rap. What, what do you think? You know, Bill Belichick also is 41 and 55 through his first six years. Throwing that out there. Yeah, I mean, um, I noticed that the first guy had a Rams avatar. I think he's just trying to <laughs> right, right. lament uh, controversy. Uh, yeah. Get everybody uh, turning on themselves. Uh, yeah, if, if the 49ers fired Kyle Shanahan, 
um, you know, they had had a search committee and, and, and the search committee would say, you know who, what we need, we need a Kyle Shanahan like coach. <laughs> right. Somebody, somebody could call plays and be trusted. Look, look, look who the Vikings hired. Look who the Bengals hired a couple of cycles ago. I mean, these are all clones of, of one guy, which is Kyle Shanahan and, and, and Sean McVay, but Sean McVay is part of that, that Shanahan like, uh, crowd. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, again, it goes back to your previous question about fans just kind of seizing on a, what Jim Harbaugh would, would call low-hanging fruit, which is which is the head coach. Um, I, I think he's the best co- head coach that I've covered. Uh, but, I mean, it, it's, it's a good and point. And you covered Harbaugh. I covered Harbaugh, yeah. So you think sure. he's a better coach than Harbaugh? I think he's a better coach than Harbaugh. I, I, I think there's more sustainability there. I mean, I, I – Felt like Harbaugh had just kind of burned out in a fireball um, the first three years, and like I said, there was there was a lot of issues uh, among that team, um, and and you don't see that here. Um, and 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 I think Joe Staley would would probably agree with me. I mean, that, that would be actually a very good question because Joe, Joe Staley loved those teams that he was on, loved that 2011 team, especially the one that almost went to the Super Bowl back in 2011. Um, against the Giants, uh, so yeah, that'd be uh, that'd be an interesting one. But um, yeah, I mean, it's just gosh, the the people's patience level, the attention span level. Um, you know, this team's lost two games this season. <laughs> people want, you know, what, when are we going to get to Brock Purdy? I want to see Brock right. Purdy. I think Brock Purdy's got it. Um, and then as soon as Brock Purdy uh, has a bad game, it's going to be, a, you know what, Kurt Benker. That's the guy that I really want to see him. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just nobody has the, the patience to absorb um, a few losses. It's, um, I think that's a culture-wide issue these days. I can't watch a two-hour movie without kind of getting up and moving around. <laughs> I know that. It's true. So, we're all, uh, we're all impatient. I don't know. Uh, I mean, but I, I do. I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking at this, and it's not just one or two guys. It's a lot of people uh, that have it. So you have to kind of, you know, uh, take it seriously and, and, and think about, you know, do they have a point here? And I think they do in that, um, you know, there are some second-half leads that are lost, and um, there are some missing missing points. And, and, and Shanahan and Garoppolo do seem to be, um, not quite on the same page right now. So th- there, there's something there, but I, I think the uh, fire the head coach answer to any time that there's a, a bit of a an issue is 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 the wrong one. Yeah, the thing I never understand is it's like a lot of the same people that dislike Jimmy G and think he stinks also think Kyle Shanahan is bad and that he stinks, but yet. Kyle Shanahan took this quarterback that stinks to the Super Bowl or Jimmy G took this head coach that stinks to the Super Bowl. So it's like one of the math, the logical math doesn't add up. Yeah, don't try to apply logic to this. Okay. If A, then B, if B, then C, if A, then C. Uh, let me ask you a football question that I think is kind of interesting. Or would, right, were you going to jump in with the question? You got a question? Oh, oh no, you, you, got, you got it. Oh, I was just going to ask Matt. 
one of the comments that Collinsworth had in the broadcast I thought was kind of interesting. And he said, you know what? The 49ers have found something in Mooney Ward. And they're going a lot more man-to-man on the outside with Mosley and Ward. And that frees up D'Amico to do a lot of creative things defensively. Uh, to me, if you're saying, like, what is a clear difference between last year and this year? It's that right there. So you got a true number one type corner in Ward. And you've got a healthy Mosley who's as close as they had last year to a number one corner. Uh, and now you've got some quality depth and the addition of Womack and the improvement of Lenore. And it's like it's it seems like the improvement of the secondary and the arrival of, of uh, Mooney have changed the dynamic of the entire 49er defense and what D'Amico can do with it. I haven't watched the all 22 for this week, but what's your sense of what the improvement on the corner has done to the D? Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, it's allowed them to be, I mean, I think D'Amico wants to be as aggressive as he possibly. I think that's, he wants that to be his calling card. And he wasn't able to do that uh, in previous years because of didn't have the right personnel at, at cornerback to do that. I, I wonder whether that's related. It'll be a good question for him. He, by the way, he's not that great at, at the podium, um, not very uh, revealing in, in his answers. But um, it, it would be interesting to know. I mean, I, I see Hufanga is basically uh, a linebacker. Uh, on on a lot of plays he's just kind of hanging around the line of scrimmage um he's he's a great blitzer he's got great anticipation i just wonder whether having mooney there uh allows you know D'Amico to be more aggressive with ufanga there that, that and that's where ufanga needs to be that's where he plays his best and it's a great recognition of that you know this is not a, a back half type of shape this is a guy that um, you know, flourishes around the line of scrimmage. And, and that's been um, totally um, right and uh, productive so far. The, the, I keep saying this every week. The Rams are going to are gonna test that. Um, I think they're going to try to stretch the 49ers deep and see whether um, Gibson and, uh, and Hufanga can hold up. But so far, and I think that's a reflection on Gibson as well. I mean, he, he's a guy... I think it's probably the best player these first three games that really hasn't gotten uh, as much praise as he needs to. So I think he's holding down the fourth back there, uh, and that's allowing these guys to play more aggressively. It's allowing Hufanga to be, you know, two feet off the line of scrimmage and and to do some things like that. So um, so far so good on uh, on how that uh, that whole secondary has played so far. Yeah, I, you know, what's interesting is we were talking to Gibson, and I totally agree, by the way. Um, you know, him and Jimmy Ward are the same agent. They're, they seem like they're buddies. We were talking to Jimmy Ward, talking about Hufanga and Gibson. There's no like, oh, my God, like, uh, I don't know. You know, they're playing so well. I'm, am I going to get the same spot? He's like, he's calling them my safeties, my safeties. So it's going to be interesting to see how Jimmy Ward, uh, you know, how he kind of they, they move things around. And because I think Gibson and Hufanga, of course, both have earned, uh, you know, a lot of playing time. And, you know, to that same point, I mean, you've seen a lot of great defenses. Those Harbaugh defenses were awesome, man. And then, you know, 2019 was great. I mean, the secondary had some issues, but it was great defense. I mean, where do you think this defense stacks up after? I know the Rams are going to be a test, but. I mean, have you? Uh, I'm so used to Russell Wilson. If he gets two seconds back there uh, and he's not touched, it's going to be a moon ball to lock it or DK. And and we're getting 
they were getting covered sacks. Like, it's, I'm not used to that. So, yeah, how do you think this thing stacks up, and how do you think they're going to perform against the Rams? Yeah, it's, it's a great question about where this defense stacks up in, in any of the ones from, say, the last 20 years. I mean, I think that those, as you talk about Justin Smith, um, you know, that line had Justin Smith, Ray McDonald, it had uh, Ahmad Brooks, underrated pass rusher, and had Alden Smith. Uh, and then had Navarro Bowman and, and, and Willis uh, backing them up. I, I, I don't think that this one, I think Nick Bosa is is up there with any of those guys that I just mentioned. I just don't think that anyone else um, is, is, is quite as good. So I don't think it's as ferocious. Um, the rules are different. I mean, you go back and you watch that that Saints 49ers game from the divisional playoffs. I mean, that's like the last old school hitting game that we've, we've ever seen. I that mean, hit on Pierre it, Thomas. It hit on Pierre Thomas, but it was like that all game. And in the next week against the Giants was as throwback old school as you can get. That was just a slugfest in the mud. Um, so nobody played, nobody's allowed to play like that anymore. Uh, so it's it's almost an apples to oranges comparison. I think this this I mean this defense is the best in the NFL right now. Um, I don't think it's a, a shutdown defense. I, I just don't think that those exist anymore. So there's always going to be the you know Russell Wilson putting together that that type of drive and like he did in the fourth quarter. You can't expect a team to kind of snuff out another team like you know the 2000 Ravens did or the. 85 Bears did. I, I just don't think that that's possible in this day and age anymore. Uh, quarterbacks are too good. The rules uh, are slanted towards the quarterbacks. It's uh, that, That's it. So um, it, it's as good as there is in the NFL, but they, it, it needs a lot more help from the offense. One last one before we let you go, Maddie, on the uh, matchup. You know, looking at the Rams-Cardinals box score uh, from this last week, the Cardinals ran 81 plays. The Rams ran 46 plays. I mean, that is a huge difference. The Cardinals had 23 first downs. The Rams only had 15 first downs. Uh, Cooper Cup was was held in check for the most part. He had four catches for 44 yards. Skoranek was the Rams' number one receiver. But the stat that jumps out is that Marquise Hollywood Brown caught 14 balls. He was targeted 17 times. He caught 14 for 140. And I'm thinking of the 49er receivers, who's the most like Hollywood Brown? It's probably Danny Gray. Um, I didn't see all those passes from Kyler to Marquise Brown. There's probably an array of them, but do you think Danny Gray will be up this week? Do you think they will utilize him? Because they emphasized that he wasn't just a burner, that he was tough as well. And, you know, maybe anytime you're talking about um, needing to improve your offense, it always, to me, comes, it's a speed game. And you drafted, you know, him and you, you signed Ray Ray and it's like, Hey, why not put a little bit more of your speed on the on the field and make the Rams match up with it a little bit? And and if you can, you know, do what the Cardinals did and play ball control. I mean, the Rams won the game, but they only scored twenty points. To me, that might be the the, the recipe for success. Feed Danny Gray and and take advantage of that speed, but also. If you can dominate the time of possession and keep uh, Stafford and Acres and Higby and Cup and all these guys on the sideline as much as possible, what what do you see as the game plan this week in your mind? Well, I want to comment on your, your your Danny Gray suggestion. I mean, my the way I remember the 2017 season since that's been 
um, in, in the news recently is that um, Garoppolo came in and, and he was mostly kind of um, doing some New England Patriots stuff, like hitting Trent Taylor for short stuff, um, this, that, and the other. But when you actually watch it, um, it, you know, Marquise Goodwin, that was that was his uh, high watermark that, that 2017 season. He almost had 1,000 yards that year. And um, my thought was that, okay, when Garoppolo came in for those last five five games, Marquise Goodwin probably, um, you know, his numbers went down. They didn't. Uh, he had three games in that span. There, there was one at 95 yards, but two other ones – well over the 100-yard mark, um, which you know suggests that uh, Garoppolo and a speed merchant uh, are not uh, exclusive to each other, and that um, you know Marquise Goodwin and Danny Gray, th- their speed is comparable. Uh, these are both really, really elite guys. So uh, I think that it, it absolutely can work. I think the issue with Danny Gray is that he's a rookie, and uh, even talking to his, his former coaches and um, uh, guys at uh, at SMU who love him to death and think that he's going to be an excellent pro. To a person, they all say, "Okay, he's still he's still developing. This this is going to be a, sort of a longer term thing. It's not going to be right off the bat." So I, I think that that whatever that means, as far as you know, route running, as far as separation, um, he's still learning that right now. But I, I think the potential is there. And to Ryan's earlier point, yeah, I mean, um, it, they, they could use the speed element. Uh, just get the ball in his hands on one play. Because he does. He did do a lot of the crossing route stuff. He did do a lot of the screen stuff that they do with, with Debo Samuel. Um, it would be a nice play if you've got Debo Samuel on one side of the formation. You kind of fake the screen one way. I know the defense would, you know, especially the Rams defense, would, would go after it real fast. And then you just turn around and throw the same exact play to gray on the other side he'd be gone so um yeah that might be a really kind of uh nice secret weapon to, to break out in this game well now that we've talked about it, it's not gonna be so i know you just <laughs> yeah, exactly. play matt now that, we've, now that we've outed the uh, the game plan on the Tales from the Bay podcast uh, in London, I know I know that Sean McVay watches this podcast very closely. Exactly, he's he's all over this podcast, so we're gonna have to we're gonna have to scrub it. We're gonna have to scrub it he's right Maddie, here, Maddie. Uh, for people who uh, who follow you on the Athletic or have thought about it and they're like, hey, you know what? This is the time I'm gonna make the investment. Give people an idea of what you and Dave Lombardi have cooked up each week and and what do you typically provide for your for your readers as you know we approach uh, you know game day and this week on monday yeah well you know right after the game we kind of break down the game um position group by position group who stood out what the snap counts were so that's up right now dave's got a story going tomorrow about you know basically answering the question you just asked and what can the 49ers do to kind of uh, pack a little bit more wallop into this uh, into this offense, uh, and then I've got the uh, aforementioned mailbag coming. I think on Thursday morning, where uh, I'm going deeper into this uh, this for, this uh, Shanahan Garoppolo relationship that everybody seems to be seizing on right now. This guy does as good a job as there is, folks. Right here, Matt Barrows. What year was your first year on the beat? Twenty. Um, 2003, which was Dennis Erickson's first year, um, and that roster included T.O. and Jeff Garcia and Garrison Hurst and Derek Deese. And then the next year, 
all of those guys were gone. And surprise, the 49ers went 2-14 and 14 that year. So uh, it, it turns out fun. that talent is important to winning. That was my first lesson. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? <laughs> talented guys win games. Not talented guys lose games. There you go. Um, I, I'll never forget the uh, my first meeting with Dennis Erickson. He uh, he's like they're like, hey Dennis, this is Larry Kruger from KMBR, and Larry, hey, this is Dennis Erickson. And I go, coach, really a pleasure to meet you. And he like didn't hear the introduction, so he's like, are you from Coors? And, and I said, no, I said, no. And the disappointment on his face, I mean, it was like, you're not from Coors. Oh man. I was told there was going to be a guy from Coors here. I got to get that kegerator put in my office, uh, you know, like right away. And I'm like, you know, I think that guy over there might be from Coors. And he like, literally left and walked over to the guy. You from Coors? He was really interested in the kegerator getting that thing set up. Uh, but he had tremendous eyewear. If you remember, he had great sunglasses and he had designer eyewear. He was very, he looked very chic on the uh, sideline. All right. The thing that I respect the most about you, Maddie, is you ask direct questions. You don't, you're not a softball artist, but you're not a gotcha guy. And I'm just kind of wondering, because this could happen to anybody and Ryan can appreciate it now because we're in the locker room, you know, two, three times a week now. Have you ever had just the player that you thought you asked a normal question, but man, it didn't strike him right. And he just kind of blew up on you either, either, you know, he just started going in a weird direction. You didn't think, or kind of got angry at the question or the notion or thought you were going in a different direction and kind of misunderstood. And, you know, because there's all, there's lots of room in the locker room setting for what we would call miscommunication. Um, have you ever had anybody, cause you're, you do ask direct questions, but they're not like gotcha questions or, and I never hear you do this one. In 2019, you said, and then read somebody back their quote, and then all of a sudden ask your question as the premise was that quote. You don't really do that move, um, but have you ever had anybody kind of just like you're you're a mild mannered guy, but just be like, you know, get that out of my face? You know, have you, has anybody ever lost it on you or ever oh, yeah. been like so like? Like, like you actually were like, oh man, I wish I could, I wish I could, you know, stay at a courtyard Marriott right now. Yeah, for sure. And and most of my recollections come from early on in my career. And I don't know, it's, it's sort of a good question whether I've kind of steered away from certain questions because of those experiences. But what, one sort of lesson I learned is that uh, I remember I was asking a linebacker who I thought it was common knowledge that this guy had sort of struggled. Um, you know, in, in some earlier games and I forget how he phrased it, but it was something along the lines of, um, um, you know, redeem yourself. I think that was the phrase. <laughs> right, right. And this guy just wigged out. I'm not going to say his name, but my, my takeaway was that the thing with these football players is that, and this has changed with social media, but at that point, Every every bit of feedback they get from their coaches, from their teammates, from friends and family is all positive. It's all positive all the time. So when you even suggest that maybe you didn't play that great in this game, it's like, what? I've never heard that before. It was like uh, the person couldn't believe that I would suggest. I mean, this was during that 2-14 and 14 season. So, right. 
you 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 weren't uh, you know lighting up the league that year. So um, you know that 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 struck me as that it's all. I mean, and I guess this is a, a sports psychology thing. It's all positive reinforcement all the time. You did great in this game. You did great in this game. Maybe you could do this a little bit better, but you were awesome in this game. It's like the the compliment sandwich where you <laughs> right like, right. I tell you, I tell you, you 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 did this great. You know this needs work, but you did this great. So you come away from thinking. <laughs> Wow, I, I'm really killing it out there. Uh, so that's uh, that's something I've always kind of kept in the back of my head since then. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta, you gotta, uh, you know, kind of know that in their world, you know, you even if you know the old saying, if your premise is wrong, your conclusion's wrong. But if they don't, your premise could be right. But if they think it's wrong. It's wrong. Yeah. So it's it's kind of like one of those things. Maddie, awesome stuff. We love talking with you. You're great stuff. Great uh, commentator as far as what you and Dave do audio wise in addition to in print. Keep it rolling, man. And uh, and we will see you, as they say, down the proverbial road. And uh, good luck to you and Dave and all the good people at The Athletic. And thanks for stopping by on the Tales from the Bay podcast. Thank you for having me on. And I promise not to interrupt any of your one-on-ones that you and Ryan have with, with the players in the locker <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Damn it! I mean, you, can feel the, you can feel the people coming over your shoulders. Uh, I just want to, I want to be like Draymond Green on a rebound and just throw an elbow. You know? Yeah, I won't Joe do that. I Fonzie, I boom! <laughs> Vern, knocking you off the stool. Oh. I would love yeah. to do this a 30 minute live stream where Matt just gives me all these pointers. Cause I'm just, I'm going in so blind right now that I, no, seriously. I, I'm overly confident. No, it's, it's, better. it's better to go in blind. Just be, you know, uh, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I guess. <laughs> I'm trying. I, I started early with Ryan. I said, "Look, let's just work on the wees and the uses. Yeah, if we can get rid of the wees and the uses. Yeah. We're going to be ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. We'll take it from there." Yeah, you're not part of the team, Ryan. You're not getting, you're not getting the ring if uh, if they win that Super Bowl. <laughs> Good stuff, Maddie. Thanks again. All right, see you guys. See ya. The great Matt Barrows, who is awesome. He is terrific. From uh, from formerly the Sacramento Bee, now you can catch him in the Athletic behind a paywall, but in the athletic um good stuff right that was yeah. good uh, i i enjoy talking with matt matt you know what the, what i love about matt is that he listens to your question gives you a thoughtful answer sometimes gives you some background like that we would never normally have um and then i think i overall when you get a little background don't you feel like you kind of know more about the topic like after yeah. we do our interviews with him it's not just about like his opinion on everything i actually feel like i know a little bit more about like how we arrived at this point because he'll give you a little well in 2017 it started this way and then what it evolved when this coach came and then it you know what i mean and it's like when it's like learning history as a story as opposed to facts you know th- this game they lost that game they lost this game they won that game they won you know he he's got he's got more of a narrative on the thing and i think it's really good i think it is really good coverage and you know dave lombardi Excellent as well. Matt Barrows, excellent. The Athletic. All right, here we're in the Niner locker room with Niner uh, number two quarterback now, Brock Purdy. Brock, uh, does your preparation, anything that you do changes when you move from three to two on the depth chart or is pretty much the same? No, sir. It's it's all been the same. Yeah. <laughs> Straight. Yeah. No differences. No, sir. No, I mean, um, I guess, I mean, they ask me more questions and stuff in the meetings to make sure that I'm ready and that kind of stuff. That's really 
been the only difference. Um, other than that, you know, the first two weeks I went about as if I was a starter, and and uh, if anything happened, I'd be ready. And you know, that was the situation. You know, after um, Seattle, and and uh, yeah. So in terms of my preparation and everything, it's all been the same. Now, as a number two, you get to run the scout team, though, right? And you get those reps. Does those extra reps, even as small as they may be, uh, help your preparation or help you get ready for a Sunday? Yeah, most definitely. I think really the physical aspects. You know, taking drops, going through the defense, making throws on the run just in the pocket stuff like that it really does help um doesn't matter if it's you know the other team's scheme or anything like that but the fact that i'm you know going through reads and, and throwing the ball on time against a starting defense is what matters so that's been that's been really good do you now obviously you're studying defenses as a quarterback but you're also studying stafford as a scout team guy to give your defense a good look how do you break that up? I mean, do you really sit there and watch Stafford and his nuances and tendencies, or is it really more just you're running their plays, but you're spending all your time really prepping and looking at their defense? I think both. Um, you know, I've, I've obviously watched some clips on him and what he does so that I can give my team a good look. Um, but also at the same time, like I'm still trying to work on my game and, and get better myself. So uh, there's definitely a balance there, but I think at the end of the day, I'm trying to give them a look and do what's best for the team. So um, that's really how it's been so far you've played a lot of football when an offense gets out of rhythm a little bit is there any tricks to the trade to get them back in rhythm is it practice reps is it film film discussion is it is it any nuances that maybe we're not thinking of that that can help a football team on offense establish a rhythm um i think both of those things that you said you know in terms of meeting discussing you know the film breaking it down this is what we're wrong this is you know went well um and then obviously getting back on the field and practicing like all right last week's over with let's go and let's play football let's just get out there throw the ball run the ball um, run our plays getting get into a rhythm again um all those things matter and so um Putting everything behind you, moving on. Like it's a long season, but um, every single practice and every rep is valuable, and we all know that. So, uh, just getting out there together, um, I think gets guys back into the rhythm. So, you know, I think yeah, so much of football is about the small things, right? First week, maybe too many penalties. Third game, too many, uh, too many turnovers. Those, that's like an essential element. You can't, you got to minimize that. Is there a key to to doing that, to, to minimizing turnovers, to minimizing penalties, minimizing the mental mistakes? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just the preparation um, going into the game, especially like last week on the road, like knowing that we're going to be in a hostile environment like that, making sure, you know, we're we're uh, checked off in every area and ready for anything that comes our way. Um, I think those things can, can be better. We all know that. And um, those are things that you learn early in the season as the, week go, as the year goes on. We can expect those things again, you know, going forward. But um, other than that, like we've got a bunch of vets in this room, a lot of experience. Guys know, you know, they learn from things early on in the season and, and move on quickly and learn from them quickly. So um, I'm not, you know, worried or concerned about this team. Like I know these guys will handle it in the right way moving forward. How is it for you and uh, your family? I mean, after Seattle, of course, I'm sure the you've been noticing the uptick in media and people wanting to talk to Brock Purdy and talking about you on radio and whatnot. I, how is that just? You know, you just trying to block it out, or yeah. For me, I don't pay attention. Um, I'm, you know, talking to my parents and stuff. You know, they're excited for me, so they're like, "Man, are you ready?" and all that. 
kind of stuff. So that's been cool. But other than that, they handle that. I handle my thing. You know, coming here and just being another teammate, another guy. It's another day for me, and, and be ready for my opportunity. But for them, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they're taking it in and and um, you know excited for their boy. You know, for work, all the work that he's put in in his life to be where he's at. So um, yeah. When the uh, you know when Trey went down in in that game and boom, Jimmy's up and he's got to be like into it right away. You started most of the time at Iowa State. Did you ever have coming up that coming off the bench moment where you're watching the game on the sideline and all of a sudden, all right, I'm up and you got to like go from I'm watching to I'm playing different mode in a just snap of a finger. I know you started most of the time at Iowa State, but have you ever come off the bench, maybe even going back to high school? Yeah, honestly, my freshman year in college when I wasn't starting um, going into the game, I had an idea that I was going to get in, um, but that's always been my thing as a, as a backup. Like I want to be ready and in the game and in the moment, not just hearing the plays, but uh, what's the play call? What's my read? What's the defense doing? What am I doing with my motions? My what am I doing with my eyes? Like that's literally every snap on the sideline. What I'm what's going through my mind, and so um, my freshman year when you know I knew that I was going in, and my opportunity was arrived. Like I was like, okay, I'm just going to go out and do the same thing that I was doing. On the sideline and film at practice and, and just let it go from there. So um, the last game in Denver is the same thing, you know, being suited up and um, like that was that was my mindset. And even before that, before I was suited up, like even though I wasn't dressed, I was still you know going through the checklist of what I'm doing pre-snap in the huddle, all that kind of stuff. So. A couple asses before we let you go. We got Brock Purdy here in the Niner locker room. How complex is this offense from your perspective? You played a lot of football, so you've and you've you've seen other offenses. So, what what are the layers of complexity in this offense? Is it more complex than other offenses you've been in? Yeah, um, I mean, I think Kyle does a great job of you know getting us in in the right formations and in, in, the, in the right scheme, depending on who we're playing and whatnot. Um, you know, obviously, it's a whole new level and it's. It's just a different style of ball, you know, getting the play call from the headset, telling the guys in the huddle, breaking the huddle, um, those kind of things. That's all different, and I like it. It's just it's just new to me. College, you get it from you get the signal from the sideline, you run the play, and you know everyone looks to their certain coach, and then they look back down on the ball, and then they run the play. Now. You know, they're relying on the quarterback to spit out the play and, and run it. So that's been a whole new thing. And being able to digest what coach is saying, how we're taught, and then being able to tell the guys around us um, what to do, like that's it's a whole new thing. And um, honestly, I like it a lot. But um, there's definitely levels, and it's a process to learning the playbook. I didn't come here the first day, week, or two weeks like, oh, I know this, and it's going to be easy. It's literally been from summer up until this point i'm still learning you know so it's it's been a process and and uh, and a grind but um i think i I think i can i can do it and i know i can like i believe in myself and all the quarterbacks that i've met so far have been telling me like man it's a process you just gotta you gotta trust it so um preparation obviously is huge you guys do a ton at the facility Night before the game, Saturday night before the game, are you like, hey man, I, I'm the haze in the barn. Let me just watch some, you know, movies with my girl or make some food. Or is it about like, hey, I want to watch more cutups. I want to do more. I want to grind through more percentages. Look at the look at the game plan more. Like, what do you want to do that final night before the game? Do you want to put it away or do you want to grind it more? Yeah, I think you know throughout the days when I put in all my grinding and, and studying and everything, I like to leave myself like a good hour before bed where I can you know shut off and and just be um, you know whether that's reading or just you know on the phone calling my family whatever um, I like to get away for a good hour at least but other than that man it's it's all ball for me I love studying and 
and being in it, um, trying to think of ways that I can prepare better and things like that. But, um, you know, even in college, I learned, you know, having a well, you know, fine line of a balance of, you know, studying too much compared to, um, you know, being free. You know, there's definitely a balance there. Um, and I've learned that, you know, through four years of playing. But continuing, like, I'm still continuing to learn that as well. But definitely like to put in my work during the day and then have like, a good hour at night. So. I, I made some money on your boys the other day against Iowa. They, that was a pretty low-scoring game. Do you, do, on Saturdays, you, you get any uh, cyclone time? Yeah. No, I like to check in on my clones um, every Saturday I have so far. Um, those are my boys. And it's cool because literally just played with them last year. Right. Now, as you guys say, you know, as you go on uh, throughout the years and guys that you know graduate and things like that, then it's a little more hard to be in it. Um, and they, they love the teams and stuff, but when you know the guys that are playing, it, it means a lot to you. And so for me, like, those are my boys still playing. So, yeah, I love watching and tuning in every Saturday. Hey, thanks for the time, right? You got oh, one more? Yeah, I got one last one. So, I mean, you're making me feel crappy. You've got, you're saying you leave yourself like an hour and you like maybe call your family or read. I don't know how many books I've read in the last five years. Maybe one. I'm not yeah. sure. Yeah. So, it, you don't get into like any Netflix or video games or any, anything like that? I'm not trying to get you in trouble. No, you're good. Chill, you're just chill. <laughs> no. For me, man, I mean, every once in a while, if it's a weekend or if we got like three days off, I might throw on a movie. Okay. Um, Other than that, man, like during the week, like, you know, when I'm trying to have a good practice tomorrow and be ready for meetings and stuff like that, it's all studying and everything, but um, definitely got into reading. But other than that, man, like when I have days off, guys around here told me to watch like Lord of the Rings and stuff. So I'm on that (laughs) when I have time. Just get into the full trilogy. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for the time. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys. All right, we're here with Colton McKivitz in the Niner locker room, who's, who's obviously stepping in for, for Trent this week. And uh, hey, no, no, not big shoes to fill, huh? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my shoe might be a little bit bigger than his, but uh, no, it's it's hard to be hard to be uh, you know replacing a guy like Trent. You know, he talks so highly, though, of you, um, and he's like, man, it doesn't matter who Colton's playing. He's, he, he battles nameless, faceless opponents, and you're not wowed or intimidated by anybody. Where did that come from? That's got to be something that you've had for a while, huh? Uh, college, you know, freshman year got thrown in there and, you know, first rounder and, you know, played well against him. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's just football. I mean, we're, we're both here for a reason, it's, and it doesn't matter who's what the name guy's name is or or what he looks like or how good he plays. I mean, you know, it's just football at the end of the day, and you play your, play your hind end off, you know, good things happen. You've played a bunch of spots. How do you feel at left tackle? Um, a lot more natural with my hands, for sure. Um, you know, that's the one thing I'm happy about going back to left is I get to use my hands and uh, a lot better at that, so I'm excited for, for left again. What are the Rams looking like to you on film? It's a tough front. You guys obviously saw them three times last year. Yeah, I mean, they're always tough. You know, we don't like each other, so... Uh, uh, you know, it's always uh, you know an ice bag game, as as they say. So, um, you know, they five on the line, and and it's pretty much one on ones. And then you got you know ninety nine over there in the middle. So, um, you know, it's a full time job this week. Is there more John in a game like this with divisional opponents that know each other? You guys know each other, and you're playing twice a year, and sometimes for years mm-hmm. in a row. Is there more talking in a game like this because it is a division game? No, I. <laughs> you know, the games I've played, I haven't heard much talking. Most of the time, it's just. You know, what happens on the play, you know, that's the, the biggest talker there. 
run around or run through? It seemed like the first game against the Rams last year, you guys chose to run through. Is that a game plan that you prefer, that kind of, you know what, we're just going right at them? Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of our thing here is, you know, we take pride in running the ball, and, and I think that's gonna, that's our game plan this week is, is get back to our identity and, and running the ball, and, and that's one thing we're looking forward to. Hey, the rhythm of the second half wasn't there offensively in the second half. How do you rebuild that rhythm on the practice field leading into this next game? I was making sure we're assignment sound. I think that's the biggest thing you know we got to do um, as a line, make sure we're covering our guys and, and and making sure everyone behind us gets the right reads on on what they're getting on the defensive looks and making sure we're on our assignments. Right, you got yeah, one. For yeah, them? I mean, you know, you're super laid back, dude. As I feel like a lot of people are in this locker room. Do you kind of turn it on, like turn us, flip a switch when you get in the game and kind of become more ferocious, or is this kind of you're kind of just? <laughs> I'm not trying to rip you, man. Oh uh, no, like, I mean maybe just a little more angrier. Yeah, I guess, you know, turn on some crazy I don't want to call it death metal, but some pretty heavy, <laughs> heavy stuff, you know, Metallica and that, and, and go to a zone. But you know, besides that, it's maybe a little higher. But you know, as you tell, we're all pretty laid back. And I mean, honestly, it's like if I'm playing like a 24-hour fitness, I'm playing basketball. It's more annoying actually if a guy that's like dominating me mm-hmm. is like just super nice. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So, honestly. Hey, Kilmer's kindness, man. Yeah. That's what I always say, you know. <laughs> hey, last one I got for you. Uh, you get the reps this week, obviously. How much does that change your equation on Sunday when you get all those reps in practice leading into it? Oh, uh, it makes it. I mean, you get the you get the looks now, and then come game time, it, it's, everything slows down. So that's the biggest thing is um you know seeing seeing it now correcting it now and then the game once you see the look you've already done it before and then now it's just going out and playing fast and executing good luck sunday night appreciate the time thanks thank you all right we're here in the niner locker room with jeff wilson and uh jeff take us back to last week first half i thought the man over here had a real nice block on dj jones burford and and you cut it back and it was probably the biggest gain of the game Oh yeah, you know that was that was a good job by those guys up front, and um, as you can see, not only the guys up front but our receivers as well. Those guys stuck and stayed on their blocks as well. So I was, I was, it was there for me to hit. You know what I mean? So it was just a matter of the right timing and having the right patience and the right press and getting back to the hole. Yeah, you run incredibly hard, like a bigger back. I mean, do you feel that day after the game? Do you feel all the hits that you take? Uh, it normally would be like two days after, you know what I mean? So it's just like kind of like a, a collision you had. You didn't really feel it. And then the next day it's like, okay. And then that third day it's like, oh, where where that come from? You know what I mean? But by the time we get back to, to Thursday or Wednesday, our Wednesday practice, you know, I'll be – I'll be back fine. So. Yeah. You carried the big part of the load. Normally, Kyle rotates the backs quite a bit, but you're getting the heavy workload right now. That's just the way it's going to go in the early season, you think? Uh, I have no idea. Like I said, um, we have, every guy in our room can do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's not like that's the problem or that's the rhyme or reason. So that's right. definitely not. I think it's just lead that up to the, the coach's decision. And um, rather than a uh, play 10, 20, 30, 100, you know, just get my all the whole time. So, and I know those guys that get in, uh, whoever else comes in, they're going to do the same thing. Yeah, I know it's a good room of guys. Uh, Jordan Mason got his first carry last week. What do you think of the young fella? Oh, he's going to be nice, man. Like I said, it's just it's just a matter of timing. You know what I'm saying? And like I told him, you stay down. It's a, this is a tough league. You know what I mean? A lot of things go on. A lot of things happen, and, and guys go down. So you always be ready and always prepare yourself to be, like, be the number one. So You know, you guys got a room full of guys that – Almost every single guy in that room could be the starter. No, nah, most definitely. Everybody attributes are like around the same. You know what I mean? It's not really like a, 
Oh, that's the definite number one. Oh, oh that's a you look at the running or you go to the 49ers or you go to another team. They got like a oh a, a Derek Henry or Dallas. It's not that in that room because all our guys are that. So you can't really pinpoint one person. Hey, the guy that opened my eyes last week was Juice. That incredible catch on the sidelines, but they lined him up at the slot. Running back, yeah. full back, tight end. I mean, he literally was everywhere last week. Oh yeah, Juice, Juice, Juice does it all, man. Like I said, they try to. It'd be uh, a couple other positions try to take him off and put him in his day room, but you know he's a running back, you know, and he's our fullback, so he's the best in the league, hands down. You know what I mean? He's the greatest fullback that I, I feel like. Well, I ain't gonna say that. You know what I mean? But, <laughs> but since I played with him, I feel like he's one of the greatest fullbacks that ever played the game. So yeah, that's, hey, you should feel that way. Grab right yeah. there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. <laughs> how about how about the Rams? You look at them on film. Obviously, Donald up front. You got Wagner. You got a number of guys in that front. They don't have Von Miller. That's probably the good news. But what do they look like on film to you? Uh, you know, they look like the Rams. You know, they look like who they always be and who they always going to be. You know what I mean? They're, they're a championship team, and that's what they look like. Obviously, you know, you can probably say their first game with the Bills wasn't all that. But if you look at the ones after and the game after that, especially in Arizona, like you can tell, like they're still the Rams. You know what I mean? And we still have to go on and play them like they're the best in the league, and that's how we're going to look at it. Yeah, um, you know, you can run around or you can run through. It seemed like that first game last year here, yeah. it was like you guys were running through. No, no, no. Um, do you, is that a mindset? Do you like that mindset? Would you rather, you know, just mano a mano run right over them, or would you rather run around them? I mean, it, it doesn't matter either way it comes. Like I said, uh, the way we play ball, if we got to go around you, or if we got to go inside you, or if we got to go over you, we're going to find a way to get it done, and, and that's what we're going to do. So. However it come or however the game going, we're just going to stay up, keep our poise, stay down, and, and continue to home in on what we do. How's your uh, relationship with Anthony Lynn? And like, how, how has he kind of changed the maybe if any philosophy of the running back room at all since he came over? Oh, man, he, he's great, man. Like I said, he's been around Coach Bobby Turner like a long time. So when we talk to him, it's almost as if we're speaking to the same person. You know what I mean? Like he even has some of the, the same lingo that Bobby Turner has. And, and that's the type of coach he is, you know what I'm saying, Coach Turner. Even I still say stuff to this day that he said when I first got here, you know what I mean? But that's that's just the kind of person he rubs off on, you know what I mean? So to be a, like a, kind of like a protege of him, I wouldn't say that because he's his own man. But to have that coaching from him, you know what I mean, I feel like he really utilizing that. And, you know, besides all that, he's been the head coach. So obviously, no ball. He knows, he knows the game. It's like it's not like he's a new person or never done it before. So he gives us a lot of knowledge, and not just only in my running back room, but as the game abroad. Yeah, he's respected as respected as any running back coach in this league. Yeah. Um, when you play a team like the Rams, division opponent, twice a year, guys know each other. Is there more talking? between the teams in a division game like that because you guys do know each other so well and you do battle each other twice a year? Or is it just like any other game? Uh, I, I guess, I don't know. I don't feel like that's on more so of our side. Like, if, if, if it's us, no matter who it is, we're coming up and we're playing. You can be the Rams, you can be Washington, you can be Philadelphia, you can be Arizona. It don't matter who you are, we're going to come and we're going to bring it to you and we're going to play our style of football. We're never going to let another opponent dictate who we are or the way we play. We're going to play the way we play, and it's up to you to stop it. You know, when going back to college, um, you know, do you think about when you came into the league and where you're at now? I mean, you've established yourself now. You're an established running back in the NFL, and you didn't have those uh, acclaim coming out of college. You you fought for everything you got. That makes got to make you feel good at this point that you've established yourself. Uh, I wouldn't say established. I still feel like I got a long way to go, and I still feel like it's, you know what I mean? 
like still some respect I got to grab for some people. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but I, I I've been gunning for that since the day I've been in. You know what I mean? But to obviously like as yourself to just say that is now like I, I really appreciate that because yeah. that's all I've been working for just to let everybody know that you know what I mean. I'm a part of this league and I'm not just some pushover. Where, where, oh, I was gonna ask him where are you from in Texas? Are you are you are you you went to North Texas State, right? Where are you from? A town in Texas? Uh, yes, that's a uh, University of North Texas. Uh, but yeah, I went to um, Palestine. I don't know if you're kind of familiar. Adrian Peterson, same yeah. hometown. Is he your guy? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to watch his uh, high school games at, at our high school in Palestine. So I used to watch him play way before he even got to Oklahoma or NFL. So yeah. I kind of knew the, the raw and uncut AD. So that's what kind of thrived along about my dad, you know what I mean? But that's what kind of long to thrive to make me want to pick up the game. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, I was gonna ask you about about your dad. Did your dad play ball? Oh yeah, he um he went to UTA before the um for the program got cut uh, okay. a while back. Um, he had some offers to A and M, but he didn't want to listen to my grandfather, so <laughs> they kind of went that way. You know what I mean? But yeah, after the program got cut, though, he ended up having me and uh never going back to pursue football. So I think it was a was a great decision of his because I was able to live out the rest of his dream. Oh, this is the question I was going to ask you. Do you ever just, uh, you know, when you're just home alone, do you ever just go on YouTube and, like, pop on the highlights of the Patriots game? <laughs> you have, like, three tuts and just dominated Belichick in New England. Nah, man, this this league's so tough and hard, man. I kind of just, I don't like to, to dwell on those those old memories, you know what I mean? Because I'm in the process of trying to make new ones, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I probably didn't see them before. You know, they got the family members or the, the little brothers and cousins that sent me the clips and stuff like that. So I'll watch it. But before I just go on and look it up, nah, I like to stay focused and moving forward. Hey, last one I got for you. There's You guys do a ton of work to prepare for your next opponent during when you're here in the facility. When you go home at night, you watching cut-ups? Or are you watching movies? Are you watching news? Are you watching basketball? Are you watching baseball? What, what's, what does Jeff Wilson watch at, at home? Or what do you do when you're trying Just to get away from the game? video maybe? games, perhaps? Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, actually, I don't play the video games that much like I used to. But, no, I definitely go through the film, go through my cut-ups, all the blisses, and find techniques, and you know, go through my little routine to see if I can find demeanors, if they got the telltales or whatnot. You know what I mean? So... Obviously, that's that's every day I go home, make sure I look at that to keep it fresh on my mind. But after that, it's just, you know, unwind, watch a little Netflix, you know what I mean? Maybe a little stars, a little power, you know what I mean? Yeah. Just, you know, just kind of moving around. Just to, you know, you got to get your mind away from football sometimes. So, I feel it. Yeah, that'd be good. Uh, my last one for you. Uh, so, I know you talked about the identity. You're not going to get away, away from that. You get, Niners are a running team. Do you feel like do you feel like that that is the identity still like this year like you know you guys are a tough you know team you're going to always run the ball like is that that still is your identity Yeah and not and I wouldn't just say running the ball and that's just our mentality period you know we're, we're a physical team we're a physical offense you know everybody from receivers to the quarterback like everybody you know what I mean so that's just kind of our style of play, you know what I mean? Run it down hard, hard. Like I say, it's up to you to stop it. So everybody know what we do, and we know what we do, so it's the fact of being on top of all our details. That way we can execute at the highest level and go from there. Yeah, good luck Monday night. No, thank you, boss. Appreciate Thanks, Jeff. Jeff Wilson. Thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah.
You're like our go-to guy at this Are point. Are we uh, rolling? Yeah, we're rolling. All right, Aaron Banks here in the Niner locker room. Um, obviously, the Rams coming up this week, divisional opponent. You guys know your divisional opponents usually pretty well. What do they look like on film to you? Uh, I think they look really good. Um, I think their D-line you know, exactly what you would think with Aaron Donalds and everybody up front. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a tough task, and you know, we're going to try to do our best, put our best foot forward, and you know, try to play them like we do every other team. You know, try to get a win. So, you know, Chris Forster last week was talking about how he, you and him discussed the difference between like practice reps for you as opposed to game reps. How does your body feel after a few games, and and how do you do? You, have you learned a lot more because you're getting game reps? Yeah, um, I mean, you're going to be sore after playing football games, especially at this level. Um, so that's a given, but definitely learning as the as the reps come and the games go. Um, I, I think I've kind of started to clean up a couple of things that were you know week one were as good, and you know week two trying to take a step each week. So try to take another step this week against you know the best D tackle in the league. Yeah, Donald is considered the very best. What what I mean, we can see his gifts. He he doesn't give you a big target to block. He's very compact. He's obviously got great technique, great motor. What what else about him makes him so difficult? What makes him the elite player that he is? I think he's a really well-polished player. Um he's difficult to block. He makes guys jobs hard. Um and that's, you know, that's what he's really good at. He's really strong. He's great leverage, plays with tight hands, plays low. Um you know, he's kind of the like I said, a very polished defensive tackle, and that's why he's the best in the league. So, you know, um, you guys bu- bur- uh, busted uh, Wilson loose for an early run. It was a great block, I thought, by Burford on DJ Jones. Um, but it was a struggle running the ball in this last game. What can you What can you tell us a little bit about the matchup? As far as Denver, obviously, was stout up front. Um, yeah, I mean they're really stout. Um, you know, they got they play really hard, especially at home. They're a very physical team, and. Um, you know, I think we just got to take a step up and try to get better again. I mean, that's, that's been my mindset this whole time, and it'll continue to be what I'm going to tell you guys. We're going to try to get better every week. Yeah, no, I mean, it makes sense. What about what about the noise factor for an old lineman on the road? I mean, how much does that play into the difficulty of of the task at hand when you when you're dealing not just with your opponent, a Donald type, but also the noise? Um, yeah, I mean, the noise is you know they they call it the 12th man at body stadiums for a reason. Like it's it's definitely. Um, you know, an impact, but as you get used to it and you play these games and you get used to it, it kind of starts to die down a little bit. Um, but I, I mean, I wouldn't say it ever dies down. It's still loud. Sure. I have a loud, um, but yeah, I mean, it's something that you're already going to have to keep in the back of your mind on the road and prepare for during the week. How was the, uh, how was adjusting to the altitude? Did that get you at all? No, nah. nah, not at all. No, nah, I didn't hit Okay, me. so you're fine for Mexico City then. You're, you're... Uh, <laughs> it's a different, it's a little bit. Say, man, it's a little higher. We're going to see. <laughs> um, hopefully I can, you know, have the same feeling at that time, but. You know, who knows? It might be a little bit colder. The air might be a little more crisp, you know, being later in the year. So we'll see. Yeah. How about the rhythm? The offense, you know, a lot of guys were talking about how the offense just kind of was out of rhythm. What can you guys do this week to try to get into that rhythm? Is, is it something that can be done on the practice field? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's just gelling with the guys and, you know, getting into a, a certain, um, what's the word? cohesiveness um so i mean i think you know as the days go and the weeks go we start to gel more and more and you know week two week three team that's not who you're going to be at week 10 um you know week 17 in the playoffs so um as long as we keep taking steps and you know 
putting our best foot forward and gelling as a team and as an offense, I think we'll be good. How was the vibe in the locker room after the game and just so far during this week? I know that obviously the media and the fans are like, oh no, one, two, but I mean, how, how are you guys treating it? Is it just like, you know, huh? I mean, it sucks to lose. Yeah. You know, you're always going to be upset when you lose, especially a game like that, but you, you sit there dwelling on last week's loss, you're already beat for the next week, so you got to move on. You know, Trent, Trent, Trent went down. <laughs> Trent went down in this game. Jalen came in, and they brought in McKivitz. It looks like it's going to be McKivitz probably this week. Um, obviously, Trent's Trent. But um, how did the line compensate for not having the best tackle in the game? Uh, I mean, that's this is a difficult situation when you lose a guy like that. I mean, it's hard to step into those shoes, the really big shoes to fill. Um, so, you know, we're going to do the best we can this week to um, compensate for the loss of Trent, but Colt's a good player, Jan's a good player, just got let guys play. Last one I got for you. Um, is your preparation the same week to week, or do you, like, mix it up because of based on the opponent or based on maybe what the coaching points are from Chris, or do you just have a very consistent, I want to watch, do this on Monday, this on Tuesday, very formatted throughout the week? Uh, I mean, I like to stay in my rhythm. Um, I have a rhythm that I think is working all right right now, but, I mean, I will tweak my um, – day-to-day here and there, depending on, you know, something's bothering me in a certain aspect, or I do certain treatments, or, like, if we're going to get certain looks or a certain type of player, then tweak it, you know, from there on and forth. Good luck on Monday night. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Aaron Banks. Appreciate your time. All right, we're here in the Niner locker room with Kevin Givens, former Penn State D-tackle, and, man, so far so good. In limited uh, snaps, you're, you're producing like a madman. Give me your uh, give me your thoughts on the way this season's gone so far for you. Uh, I mean, definitely uh, still going out to a fast start, but um, just trying to be consistent in this uh, start off where I started last year towards the end of the season, so... You're, uh, you're, I think the strength of your game is that you just get penetration and, and really you shoot into the backfield. Um, it seems like you can beat a guy initially with your quickness. Does that seem like, is that, was that always the strength of your game? Uh, yeah, I just like, I like this game so much because I could attack them before they can attack me and I could, you know what I'm saying, get up into them before they can start working me. So I like just being able to get to the punts first and then working my stuff instead of taking the brunt of the hits. Eric is obviously a veteran. you got Javon here, but with Eric out, you got more reps. Um, it's a technique-rich position. How much better are you right now as a player than when you came out of Penn State? Definitely uh, 100 times better. Just being in the scheme and the system for uh, four years now definitely making me play faster and uh, a lot of less thinking because I know like the whole defense now, so I can just play. Chris has you guys firing up the field and watching him coach. I love going out to practice and watching him. He's a madman, man. How would you describe Coach Eric and his coaching style? Uh, Chris is just definitely different. I'll, I'll probably say, like, you just got to be ready to just bring it every day with him because I know every morning at 8 o'clock he's, he's getting it. He's screaming. He's ready to go. So it's definitely – it'll get you amped up in the morning. So you just got to be ready to match his, match his uh, intensity. I got to ask you about Penn State. What was it like playing there? What was it like playing with a guy like Parsons who's now yeah. doing his thing? You were you were more of a senior. He was probably a youngster when you were there. But what did you think of him as a youngster? Uh. No, it's just crazy to see how how well he's doing in the uh, NFL now. I mean, everybody at Penn State knew, knew he was going to be the player he was now, but not so quickly. I mean, his first two years, he's up there as a uh, defensive player of the year. So it's crazy seeing where he came from. So uh, 
Yes, it's just it's crazy to see how, how fast and easy he's uh, developing into the league. A couple of last ones before you let Chich go. Um, you know, you came in maybe around 280. What are you playing at now? What, what's your ideal weight? What weight do you like to maintain? Probably 285. Yeah. And, like, for the week, like, nighttime when you're at home, do you, you want to watch cut-ups or you watch uh, movies? You watching, you watching, what what are you getting ready to do at night? You still, you leave this year or do you bring it home and watch the cut-ups? Uh, I'll, I'll give it a break for, like, an hour and then I'll get back on the tape for a little bit. Uh, watch that for, like, 30, 30 minutes, like, an hour, then uh, just playing with the, the little girl back home. Nice. Uh, how old? How's your, how old's the uh, little one? 21 months. Nice. I, well, I got four of my own, so appreciate them, man. They, they grow up fast. <laughs> hey, one last one. As far as diet, I mean, when you're a college kid, you're eating like a college kid. Now you're a pro. You, you make your own stuff? Who, who cooks your meals? And what do you, are you, what do you, what's your go-to? My go-to? Uh, I, or do you cook all your own stuff? Or I, I usually do most of my eating at the facility. But if I, if I do make some, it'll be from Trader Joe's. That's my favorite place to go to. Oh, yeah. so cheap. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've got one for you. I don't want to, you know, get into the inside. I don't know if people are allowed to know. But what's up with the beware of the dog warning? Is that, is that, are we, are we? Uh, it's just a, a D-line thing. It's just D-line. Know? All right. Yeah. You got that dog in you? Yeah, we, that, all, we all got the dog in us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to keep us caged up. <laughs> Last one I get for you on the Rams. What do you, what, what's their what's their O line looking like? I think there's a real advantage here for you guys in this game. But what are they looking like on film? Uh, I mean, they look good. They they run the same scheme we do, so they've been running the same thing the last last four years. So we just gotta you know play our style of ball, you know, and just try to win a game. Keep it, uh, win a game for our team, you know, like we do every week. Yeah. Hey, man, we're enjoying watching you do your thing, man. Keep it rolling. Thank you. Thank you. Kevin Gibbons.